Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 103 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, give us a thumbs up and subscription on the old YouTube, and uh, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. Joining me today to kick off this uh, week's show is Mark Radlich. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Larry. Thanks for having me back on. You are welcome, my friend. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, Mark is here, and just for the spirit of full disclosure, because there's a lot of things changing, and things could change by the time this airs, and I might have to add a little coda onto the end of this. But uh, it's late Saturday night, and uh, we're going to start our preview of WrestleMania. It's too big for one night, Larry. That's what they told me every other minute of the entire three-hour broadcast of this past Monday Night's Raw. It's too big for one night, Mark. And um, before we really dig into everything, I just want to throw out there, um, I'm accepting apologies. <laughs> I just want everybody to know, um, I'm accepting apologies for everybody that told me under no circumstances was I told that WWE would ever copy New Japan and do a two-night WrestleMania. Under no circumstances, I was told this. <laughs> And first of all, I said that was bullshit because I figured they'd eventually do it because that's way too much money to make. Second of all, under no circumstances, well, apparently you didn't uh, expect a fucking pandemic because that's what we got. Number two, people that told me I was overblown, I was fake media for saying that they should cancel WrestleMania and that everything around Mania was going to end up canceled because of uh, state law or the government stepping in. Never going to happen, Larry. Well, Mania wasn't canceled, but it's in an empty arena, and pretty much everything else got shit-canned along with it now. Yeah, it's it's resembling superstars at this point, only without an audience. Taped matches from undisclosed locations. They, I th- I believe they taped one of the matches in Mark Levin's underground bunker. Uh, that, that's a joke for all the conservative radio fans out there. Yeah, this is this is the most. It it would be almost a parody. If it weren't true. And and I asked you before we started tonight, Larry, is the WWE in a contest with Dana White and the UFC for the who could be the most tone deaf during this whole crisis? I mean, Jesus Christ, the I, I, I thought it was kitschy and funny when they released the shirts that said I wasn't there and it was the WrestleMania pirate logo. I was like, okay, that's adorable. But they continue to use the same pirate graphics for this stupid thing, which is driving me up the wall because, like, you're not doing it in Raymond James Stadium anymore. The pirates only invaded Tampa Bay. They didn't march all the way to Orlando. Knock it off already. <laughs> it's a whole other event now. And then the t- and I love the WWE. The WWE only rivals, like, North Korea in their like, propaganda efforts. It's too big for one, it's too big for one night, and if they had said it once, I would have been okay with it. But they said it for the entire three-hour broadcast multiple times, and really tried to drive it home as if this thing really were like that spectacular and not a horrible series of unfortunate incidents. I I don't know about you, but I 
as sarcastic and as appreciative of, ir- of irony as I can be, this is too much. It, it really is. And, like, in terms of who's being more toned up, it's like WWE is taking it to a really big degree here. They're, they're, <laughs> they're trying to make it out to be like WrestleMania is this big special two-night thing without – because all they ever say is, in light of circumstances or due to the way things are right now. Like, I think they mentioned coronavirus slash COVID-19 once and it was on main event, which nobody but me watches. Right. So that doesn't count. Right. So it's like they're, they're kind of delusional and in denial. <laughs> but then on the <laughs> other side of the coin, you have nothing but douchebaggery from Dana White. Yes. The man expects to hold Khabib versus Ferguson in Florida. Where we're this close, and you can't see it because this is audio, but imagine two fingers very close together. This close to having a shelter, a total shelter-in-place law uh, order from the governor. I mean, right now... (laughs) Right now, it's basically, you know, you're encouraged to social distance and everything is canceled and you should only go outside for limited reasons. But New York, Jersey, and I think California, a few other places, you're like people being ordered to stay in their homes. Yeah. And this guy wants to bring that fight to Florida and... Even if it doesn't come to Florida, they're still shopping it around. This thing is still spreading. I don't know if he realizes that or not. Because I made the joke of, we'll just hold it in Saudi Arabia. Everything else gets held there now. Boxing, WWE, just go just go to the Saudis. But I actually looked at the COVID map recently. It spread there too. Yep. Like it, It's all over the world. There's nowhere to go where this thing isn't going to be at this time. Maybe West Virginia. But... Um, just don't do it. Just wait. There's no reason to do this now. Yeah. And I'm really trying to not do the I told you so thing, but I am also accepting apologies for this, Mark. And here's what I want to get into. Talked about the fact, and we're going to get into this, and by the way, a friendly warning, if you haven't been following the wrestling news super close, there is going to be some spoilage in this preview because certain people are reportedly not working this card. And the first of which, real quick, is someone that I said that probably shouldn't be working the show and that we should be concerned about due to the whole leukemia thing, Roman Reigns. Yes, sir. The big dog is reportedly pulled out of this show, and we'll talk more about it later when we get to the match. But, um, I mean, if it was his decision and his decision alone, I think that's awesome. I think he made a smart adult decision. And a poor, I mean, apparently WWE and AEW have been telling their guys, that listen, if you don't want to work, tell us and it's fine. And, again, it's wrestling and we'll see how much that works out in the future. But granted, I mean, Roman is Vince's boy anyway. But the fact is... He shouldn't have been around all these people. He shouldn't have been traveling in any way. He shouldn't have been around other people flying in and stuff like that. It was a horrible mistake to try to have him work this show, period. And I get it was the, a horrible mistake to have the show, period. Well, yes, but, I yes mean, in addition. Yes, that's a whole other argument. But, I mean, yeah, it's you know we can argue we shouldn't be having the show at all. And that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I wrote about that, and I agree. But the fact is, is like... 
You're going to put Roman in there, who uh, is, like, immunocompromised due to leukemia, and then just be like, yeah, he'll be okay. He's a big boy. You know, they say most people who get the coronavirus will withstand it, especially, you know, healthier folks. But when you're immune compromised, which is what happens when you have or had had cancer, which he had, um, you know, or you're older or there's any number of ways you can be immunocompromised, you're taking a gamble, you know. And that's the thing. The, the most the craziest thing about the coronavirus is that people can have had it for a week, two weeks and not know they have it. And that it spreads so easily because all you know because it's just droplets from coughing or whatever that you could think that you're safe. You could think that, well, I'm just doing my normal routine with the with the normal people I'm usually around. What could possibly go wrong? But you have no idea where else those people have been, or whether or not they have it. And then again, if you're one of the unlucky folks who gets it and you have a medical complication. You may or may not make it. And then the other issue with that, as they say, is it isn't so much that this is the Black Plague, is that they don't, for people who have, have a serious uh, a serious condition or serious case of this, where they need respirators and ventilators and all of that, they may not have them. Especially when you have great numbers of people who need them. And so that's that's been the whole drive with this. Because some people don't don't get that. They're like, oh, I don't understand, like, why we need to shut down, you know, shut everything down. It's a, uh, one of my friends who's a nurse, and I work in the healthcare field. One of my friends who's a nurse uh, wrote on her Facebook page, she's like, you know, imagine everybody getting kind of sick at once and rushing to the hospital. You, you know, the, the untold amount of damage you would do in a situation where they don't have enough resources to help all those people. So you try to limit the amount of contact, to flatten the curve, to preserve the resources for the few that really do need it. I hope that makes sense for people. I know that some have been struggling with it. But, you know, for Roman Reigns, which, you know, turning this back to him, um, you know, it's important that he take care of his health and make sure that he doesn't make what could be egregious, an egregious mistake. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, like I said, again, a good for Roman. I, I'm glad that he decided to make that decision. I mean, it's safety first, man. I mean, he's 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 a he's a husband, he's a father, and uh, you know, he has a lot to think about more than just a wrestling match with Bill Goldberg. <laughs> There's plenty of time in the future when this finally does get cleared up and we have um, vaccines and whatnot to wrestle old Goldberg. <laughs> It'll be fine. Exactly. It'll be so, fine. But I saw some people were like, if very dismissive when I first brought up the stuff about Roman. You're overreacting for clicks, and no. it's something I really, I really strive to not do, dude. And that kind of upset me. I was being very serious, bringing it up and talking about it. And I remember I talked about it with my friend Jerome. You know, and we when I, when I brought it up, even Jerome was like, you know what? I never even thought of that. Because yeah. because it feels like. In a good way, it feels like forever since Roman's been back from the leukemia. You know, he's right. been back, he's been normal, he's been wrestling, and everything seems good. So you almost forget that he was out for three-fourths of a year or whatever battling it to get healthy again. And then when you think about it, it kind of hits you and you're like, oh, shit. Look, as somebody who's been struggling with this since late 2016, you really don't know what he's going through. Yeah. You know? 
he's a character on television. But when he when the camera is off and he goes home, you don't know what all else he needs to do to keep himself healthy or just how healthy he is. I mean, I like I said, I've been battling it and I go to work and I was doing stuff, but I had to do quite a number of things to just do my everyday routine and still do. So you really don't know, you know, because here's the thing, like, you know, doctors will they always ask me, like, are you still working? Yes, I'm still working. They, they I got these gimmicks. They're called bills, as Steve Austin would say. Um, do you still listen to his podcast, by the way? Uh, no, I haven't for a long time. I, I got I kind of got sick of it after a while. I'll, I'll, I listen to like uh, the interviews he's doing on the network again, though. I just uh, talked about the Bret Hart one with Jerome. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I gave up because he's a terrible interview, but the ones he does, where I guess where he's being produced on the um, on the network aren't too bad. Anyway, yes, I still have bills to pay, and so, you know, I still go to work, and I still try to live my life as best I can with, you know, my wife and kids. I would assume it's the same thing with Roman Reigns. We don't know. I mean, he looks like a big, strong man, you know? He looks like a, you know, WWE god superstar, but you really don't know, and I'm sure... He, you know, and I'm sure he took all of that into consideration when he was like, nope, <laughs> taint worth it, taint worth it, Vince. So, so that's uh, that's going to lead us to, I guess we need to start talking about the actual WrestleMania card here, Mark. Too yes, the big amazing for changing WrestleMania card. The, the amazing changing WrestleMania card, which is changing as we speak. Yeah, like I said, I may have to do a little uh, addendum on Wednesday night when this goes up. But anyway, <laughs> we start off with... Uh, Elias versus King Corbin, and they ran an angle on SmackDown where Corbin tried to kill Elias. <laughs> Did he? He threw him off the little perch gimmick in the performance center, and you heard a thud, and then Elias was laying on the floor and had to be stretched out. Well, if I had to pick a winner in oof, this thing, I'm going to go with King Corbin, because King Corbin wins everything, um, except when he doesn't. And even... <laughs> And Elias, I whether he's a face or a heel, it seems like the thing that they just want him to do is sing funny songs, so he could afford the lose loss here. I, mean, I don't know when was the last time Elias won a match. He won one not too long ago on SmackDown, but like it's Good not for him. like it's not like he's racking them up though. Yeah, I I feel like this is a get well match for King Corbin after the long drawn out Tolkien esque feud with. <laughs> with Roman Reigns. So, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know what they're going to do this week on SmackDown to uh, to pump up Elias so that it looks like he's got a fighting chance, but all hail King Corbin. You know, it's like my first thought is I look at this match, and this is a phrase I'm going to use probably a lot during this preview, but there are some matches that deserve and require a deep breakdown and analysis, and this is not one of those matches. <laughs> it has almost no build, and you're going to feature a match between two guys that greatly struggle to have a watchable match in front of a lively crowd in front of no crowd. That just seems like a recipe for disaster. I have very low expectations. I do agree, though. It feels like a rebound win for the King Corbin because he's the one being pushed. They think he's a big star. I, uh, I, I know because of social distancing and keeping crowds to under 10 and under they can't do something really creative with this but i wish they could i wish it was like you know elias and a bunch of hipsters with guitars and various you know one guy with a banjo and 
you know, a tambourine versus Corbin in a court of, you know, knights and whatnot. And it was just, just re- really make it like fun and cinematic. Well, may- may- maybe if it lasts through Survivor Series, they can do that and relive the uh, Sean Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler and the. Uh... Yes, you're brilliant, sir. Elias and a bunch of midget hipsters versus King Corbin and midget knights. Perfect. Go. But we'll we'll see what the hell happens. I mean, like I said, King Corbin tried to kill the guy on SmackDown, so who knows if Elias will even make it. <laughs> Maybe that was their way to write the match off the card and make the whole two nights even shorter, which that'd be great. Which, well, with the way their people are dropping off this thing, <laughs> I don't think they can afford to. Elias may be wrestling Brock Lesnar at this. No, Brock Lesnar might be not making it either. So Alistair Black is facing off with Bobby Lashley allegedly. Uh, apparently Bobby Lashley was in quarantine for a bit because he was coming back from South Africa doing a media tour, which I have no idea why you'd send a motherfucker on an international media tour during a fucking pandemic, but all right. Did they send him after that thing broke out? I don't know, man, but it's like that stuff was starting to get out there anyway. It's not like he was there for like a month ago. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe probably shouldn't have sent him. Hey, China's on fire. Get on the plane, Lashley. <laughs> but um, another one that doesn't need a lot of deep analysis, Lashley's WWE run hasn't been good. They completely nuked any good, um, any good nature and will he had built up during a really good impact run. Um, again, this was a guy with the MMA background and a good run coming out of impact. You could have pushed him right away, had him kill geeks for three months and booked him versus Brock gotten that match out of the way. Cause there were people that wanted to see that match, but they didn't do it because he's too busy. Um, you know, fucking Lana. And I mean, more power to him if that was real and all, but I mean, good storyline for him that nobody likes and cares about, but he gets to hang out with Lana all the time. What I like about this match is the long buildup they've had. You know, this long-running, simmering feud between Alistair... Bl- oh, wait, it came out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Well, Alistair Black throws really hard kicks, and uh, Bobby Lashley is a serviceable wrestler. I'm sure it'll be fine. If I had to pick one, I... Gosh. I guess Alistair Black, because I think somebody in the in the back wants him to... He's been killing guys on Raw, as a matter yes. of fact. Like they, they seem to be pushing Alistair Black, but giving him a bunch of squashes. So he, I, this seems like this would be a, a gimme for Alistair Black to continue to build him up. Paul Heyman loves Alistair Black, and there was a, originally a rumor that Alistair Black was one of the rumored opponents for Brock at Mania. Wow. So Paul loves him. He should win. And you know what? I, you're doing these fucking shows. These matches don't need to be long. Mania does not need to be long since it's two nights. This is a perfect example of you could let Lashley beat on him for about 80 seconds and then let Aleister Black hits Black Mass and it's fucking done. Yeah. That's all you I need. Think, I don't even think Lashley needs to touch him. I want to see like a, uh, you know, like Bobby Lashley just comes in, kind of flexes, you know, pulls on the ropes. Alistair Black goes to shoot on him. Bobby Lashley ducks, you know, like rolls out, takes a powder, kind of just struts around the ring, gets back in. They do this three or three, two or three more times, and finally Alistair Black just kicks him in the face. Yeah, Done. as long as it ends with Alistair Black kicking him in the face in around three minutes or so, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> it does, there's no reason for this match with no build at all to be long. 
if they could get like <clears throat> animators, I want to see Alistair Black kick Bobby Lashley and him go flying out of the performance center and like into an ambulance as it takes him away. You know, uh, sign on it that says quarantine. It just takes off. That would be great, but that sounds like too much fun. <laughs> it's true. So, this this is not a company long on imagination. So the next match is a match that got changed. Got changed before it was announced, and then it got changed after it was announced. Uh, the Street Profits are going to defend against... They were going to defend against Angel Garza and Andrade. Um, and first of all, this was changed because it was going to be the Street Profits versus the AOP. Um, Occam or Razor, whichever one it was, tore his fucking bicep. So he's out of action. They were going to do that four-way for the U.S. title, but Ray got quarantined. So <laughs> then it became Angel Garza and Andrade getting a tag title shot out of nowhere just because they're good workers, which I, I get it. I, you have to make the best of a bad situation. But then Andrade got hurt. So now it's going to be the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and NXT's Austin Theory, according to all reports. And the good news about this match is Austin Theory, through working through Evolve, is used to working in front of no fans. <laughs> When you when you edit this later, please put a drum uh, rim shot in there, if you don't mind. I really That's, should. That was brilliant. You really should. Um, it's the only thing this podcast lacks: sound effects. Uh, well, Austin Theory uh, is he done getting beat to shit by um, Champa? Yeah. Have, have have they revived him? They they kind of revived him, and then they had him lose to Tyler Breeze Wednesday night for no reason. Good. This is a nice, strong match again against, as Jim Cornette called him, the twat, Angel Garza, versus Austin Theory, who's being beat to shit all around NXT. Terrific. This sounds like a great match for the Street Profits to continue their uh, their winning ways. Yeah, and like I, I can't imagine the Street Profits losing here. It would absolutely make no sense at all. If they put the tag titles on Austin Theory... And Angel Garza, I quit. I just quit. I don't know what I'm quitting, but I quit, Larry. I will walk away from wrestling and go to live in the woods to live deliberately. Well, I get you, Mark, because it would make absolutely no sense. <laughs> like, in theory, if it was Andrade and Garza, you could see them winning. Because right, then sure. they could feud with Ray and Humberto a little more. And then eventually do that four-way for the U.S. title. But yeah, with Austin Theory in here, there is no chance of any drama at all. Austin Theory is a fine little worker. I like Angel Garza a lot. Street Profits are fun. But again, you're asking a lot for a match with no build. There's going to be no heat in terms of drama. And the Street Profits, who I do really like, a lot of their act and match stuff thrives off of having a live crowd and again you're not going to have that no you don't even have a ladder for uh montez ford to jump on from 80 feet away my man doesn't need a nothing. ladder have you seen that frog special recently dude he's getting like 90 feet in the air without a ladder <laughs> that's amazing it really is uh so yeah but all of the all of the little accoutrements that might have elevated this match are just not there for a variety of reasons. So I think they'll have, I mean, look, the street for profits are very athletic and they are very fun to watch. Um, it's going to be really sad when the, you had a line recently on one of your podcasts about, I believe it was Nikki cross, which cracked me up hard. 
um, where she did the come on panning to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> and because they're in an empty room, got no reaction because duh. And you went, it's hard to untrain the robots, which I died laughing. So when they when they come out there uh, wanting to smoke and jumping up and down and dancing and coming through the no crowd, it's going to be very, very sad. And I may need to drink hard. Yeah, it is. And it, it is hard because that's the thing, dude. I mean, when you go to that performance center, like Seth Rollins has talked about in interviews, they tell you everything you did before you came here doesn't mean shit. And they essentially reprogram you as a wrestler. What kills me is, you know, they say Vince doesn't watch anything. And if you want him to see something so that you can get him to buy into an idea, you kind of have to shove it in his face. And I'm wondering if anybody took the, uh, I think it was March 25th, AEW show where MJF and Sean Spears were betting on the matches and just showed him that episode. Because that's how you do these empty arena shows. Now I understand this last one wasn't great or whatever, but the one, but like that one where they where Matt Hardy and Brody Lee showed up, that was amazing. I love that episode of AEW, and they did a lot of different things, and they had some of the wrestlers in the crowd, <clears throat> so you know they made it more dynamic and they had fun with the atmosphere such as it was, and I hope to God somebody somehow imparts that to Vince going forward with the, with this show or this is going to be a nightmare. Well, the thing because is again, the thing is those I don't think they're see cuz AEW didn't do that this week, this last week because apparently they weren't a lot they were told not to or whatever, but they had like some people backstage and like a production trailer and like they were kind of doing similar things, but they didn't have them at ringside so you didn't have that live noise. So no, I mean they they tried to do some stuff, but I mean, yeah, I guess for whatever reason they they either opted not to or were told not to do it again. All right. At this point, then, they need to just do tight shots on – they need to do a sitcom style. Tight shots on the ring and just canned laughter. I mean, th- yeah, they need to do something. Like, they need to do tight shots on the action so you're not constantly reminded about this cavernous, empty little building. But the <laughs> other thing on that is this. When you shoot that tight – all the light and loose and exp- work is going to be exposed. That's a good point. And, and this is where, you know, you have TV and film people who work for you. You've made it a point f- because you wanted to present a entertainment product, not a sports product. This is where you have to put them to work and get creative. Um, I said all that just to say that, like, I, I hope to God the street profits don't do their normal entrance and play to the situation, not do their usual shtick, or it's going to look really awkward and stupid. Yeah. So, again, hoping they'll make the best out of the match. Because, again, I mean, Garza is is good. Austin Theory is fine. I like the straight profits. I mean, I don't think it's going to be bad. I just think that the advantages that the previous versions of the match had and that they would have had with a live crowd really takes away from whatever we're going to end up with because of the various quarantining and injury-related reasons. No, and, and, and I know that some of the guys you bring on here, you can lean on them for more, um, more stricter analysis of the actual wrestling. Here's the thing with the WWE. All these guys trained in the Performance Center, they all trained to wrestle the WWE way so that it's essentially it's a replaceable parts form of wrestling. 
some of those guys can, you know, get a little bit more leeway. Some of them can elevate it and do something a little bit extra to make it special. But for the most part, whether it's, you know, Elias, Corbin, Black, Lashley, Street Profits, and, you know, Garza Theory, you're going to get replaceable parts, WWE-style wrestling. It's all going to be just fine. It's hard for, you know, some of these other matches, when we talk about them, I'll have a little bit more to say about the actual wrestling. But for a lot of this, Larry, I mean, I don't know if you agree or not, but a lot of it's just like, yeah, this is... It's it's WWE level, don't get too excited, don't get crazy style of wrestling, and everyone kind of stays in their paint-by-numbers, uh, the paint-by-numbers training that they've gotten, which is unfortunate, but that's where we are. Yeah, and ne- never has the WWE product looked more sanitized than it does running into Performance <laughs> Center. And, like, I've oh, talked boy. about their programming, how it's, like, <laughs> Very much the same, very much paint by numbers, very much safe. And then you put it into Performance Center and it's magnified even more. The WWE WWE gets by with a lot of sizzle. I mean, when you go to a... Look, people like... Because I I complain a lot about the WWE wrestling. And they're like, well, why do you still then go to the big events? I'm like, because the atmosphere is fantastic. I love a good show, like, you know, a good live show. I still go to concerts and stuff like that for the same reason. I used to take my kids to the circus, and we've been to, um, like, the ice capades and stuff like that. I love a good, live, energetic, atmospheric event. And that's where the WWE does its best work in presenting those, uh, not just moments, but, you know, in presenting an event that you can take home with you you know, and it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good to be there. You take all of that away and, and you're just left with replaceable parts wrestling. Oof. You, when the sizzle goes away, there's not much steak. It's kind of just sad looking ground beef. Yeah. And uh, that, that's, that's, that's another thing, too. It's like, like I've talked to, like I mentioned about street profits. It's like there are certain things with certain acts that really add to an act. Like, you know, you, you look back, I'm working on a I'm working on a special little two-part column gimmick coming up here. And something I'm talking about in um, that one of the columns is the Rock versus Hogan WrestleMania 18 match. I was there live for that. Okay. That match is very good. It's a ton of fun. It's super enjoyable. It's what you wanted out of the aging star facing the star of this generation. You know what I mean? It had that sure. crowd going into it and just... It's great, but it's also one of those matches that is built completely off of star power and fan reaction. Because if you yeah, put absolutely. if you put mute on that match, that match is kind of dog shit. There's it's well, not it's not particularly laid out well. The execution is really bad at times. Sure, but the fact is. That's not the only part to a wrestling match for as, for as much as people like to say that you only talk about your supposed great wrestling and the moves. No, I trust me, the story and everything and the element and just the situation you're in always adds to a match. And that is one of the greatest examples of that because, and again, obviously wrestling is not designed to be in front of no fans. It's not designed for you to watch on mute. It's there for you to experience the fans, experience the commentary, experience the moment. And you can take something that is generally horrible or bad or whatever you want to call it, and you can make it almost great. 
Which is Rock and I watched, Hogan. I watched a uh, a Showbox boxing match uh, right when this first... It was the last boxing that was uh, able to be done before everything got shut down. And that was uh, a limited crowd. It was like family, the announcers, and that's it. And they, it looks like they, they shot it in a... It was at Sam's Town, uh, but it looks like they used only like half the half the room. And... You know, it's boxing. It's it's two guys having a real fight. There's no glitz or glamour about it. It was just straight up competition. You can do that sort of thing in an empty arena. And if you just focus on the athletic competition, yeah, that'll carry you through. I think even when the announcer said it was weird to do it first, but once they got going, it was fine. And it just felt like boxing. That's that's real sport. This is extravaganza. And even if you're talking like uh, the Acid Cup uh, that GCW put on, which was they, they shot two nights in a bar in Texas. But that at least had all the guys hanging around and, you know, it had that underground punk rock feel to it, um, which you can get away with. But if you're but as you're saying, if you're just shooting in a gym and you take all of that away yeah, now suddenly you realize that's not what this was ever meant to be. Rest, wrestling was not meant to be. Now you're just watching a gymnastics performance, and that's not what any, that's not why any of us watch this stuff. I mean, yes, you you are very uh, you focus on the wrestling as you should, and certainly I like a good Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, you know, move focused match. But I think what what the real draw is is the story in both in the ring and out of the ring it's the it's the drama and just what i've seen on raw has been mostly utterly devoid of drama yeah so i would imagine this is going to be the much of the same thing so i mean we'll see what happens but we're going to go on smackdown women's championship match bailey defending against sasha banks tamina naomi and lacey evans Dana Brooke originally was going to be into this, but is reportedly in quarantine after showing symptoms. Oh, no. My first thought is, why is Tamina in this match? <laughs> that is the first... It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. She's been there for like 12 years. She's like 41. She's had like 19 surgeries. She's never been healthy. She's never been good. What the fuck? Was Carmella too busy? Is she in quarantine too? <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess it's possible. I haven't seen her in weeks, and I haven't seen Corey Graves around there in weeks either, so. Isn't Nia Jax ready to go? Oh, whoa, whoa. Are you acting like Nia Jax is any fucking better than Tamina? <laughs> really? Well, hang on. They both suck. I was going to say, but... it's a lateral move <laughs> at best, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, isn't this about stars and isn't Nia Jax a star and a former women's Listen, we gotta see other? Nia's return for the big Raw after WrestleMania where that crowd is... Oh, fuck, you know. <laughs> I see what you did there. So, I mean, this match basically has no build. All it is is Bailey has ran through the division. Paige randomly gets to show up and book a match. With the whole gimmick being, ha ha ha, I'm booking you and your best friend in this same match. With a bunch Why of fucking geeks. Why don't they just geeks. book her? 
Why don't they just book her versus Sasha Banks and cut all the fat out of this? Because that's not the story. The story is that Bailey thinks they're still best friends. Sasha side-eyed her this week on TV. Sasha's going to win this match here. They're going to feud around and they're going to have the big rematch at SummerSlam to try to uh, to try to relive the uh, TakeOver Brooklyn match. That's my whole theory oh, I, behind this. Oh, I hope Bailey wears her Dusty outfit again. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so Tamina may be there to get pinned? Sure. I, <laughs> I mean, that seems like the only logical reason because... I don't think you want to pin Tamina. I don't, or I mean, I mean Naomi. I don't think you want to pin Lacey. Uh, best not to have Sasha pin Bailey right away if they're going to feud and have a big singles match later on. So yeah, I mean Tamina seems to be here to tap out or get pinned. Who do you think's like calling this match? And and here's why I'm asking you this because I don't think I I have said on my own podcast. And I think I've said to you, Bailey works well with somebody who leads her. I, I don't think she, when she's leading, things go well for her. Too many of her matches are kind of clunky. Then there's not yet ready for prime time Lacey Evans, who got brought up way too soon and has had one clunker after another. I'm going to skip Naomi for, for the purposes of this bit. Sasha Banks also has 50% amazing and 50% clunky, and Tamina's a mannequin. So, is Naomi in charge of this fuckfest? No, if I had to guess, judging by what I know about how they put past matches together, I would imagine that Bailey and Sasha are going to put a lot of this together for everybody. And that they're going to try to probably hold it together because the main story is going to be about them. Okay. That would be my what's guess. The, what's the over-under for they all get injured by the time this is done? I mean, Tamina's in there, so, I mean, it's it's pretty hot. <laughs> Oof. This is, uh... Look, I have no, I like Bailey a lot. Um, I, I love Lacey Evans' gimmick, or wrestling. I've already talked about that. Naomi's a good uh, athletic worker. This is gonna be just a clunky train wreck. Yeah. Like, like, bowling shoe ugly. Yes, it looks very trashy on paper. <laughs> Terrific. So, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Sasha winning here, and just like I said, it's a uh, Jesus God. Yeah, it's this could be so goddamn messy, dude. This needs a drinking game. I don't quite know how how that would work out yet, other than at the end of it, you'd have alcohol poisoning. But I feel like I feel like between now and then, you you and I need to come up with rules for the ba- for the for the Bailey versus SmackDown Women's. Drinking game. Every time it looks like it. somebody dies or gets hurt, take a drink. Perfect. That's, All right, I'll see you at the hospital. Right. <laughs> uh, so another title match coming up, made off of SmackDown, IC champion Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. And, Woo! you know, on paper, obviously, this looks like it can succeed because, first of all, Sami, when he's healthy, and we haven't really seen him in the ring and working healthy in a long time, Sami is obviously very good. Daniel Bryan's still great. And I think the advantage that these two have over a lot of other people on the roster is that in their times in the Indies, they've talked about having to work in front of extremely small crowds that are essentially no crowds. So I I I, think that that's not going to bother them at all. Yeah, I think this is going to be your workers' main event. Oh, it definitely Um, feels like it. 
Yeah, this is this is this year's Savage Steamboat. I think this is going to be five stars. Uh, melts are amazing. Just, I think this, especially if these two kind of go into it like a suicide pact and be like, look, who knows when we're going to wrestle again? Who knows if we're going to get injured? I want to take time off. You want to take time off. Let's just go in there and be the best indie-rific, uh, working crazy guys we can be. I think this is going to be the one that kind of saves this event from being a total shit show. And I, I think it's going to be universally praised. I mean, I definitely think it has a good chance for that to be the case. Cause like I said, I mean, we all know, like I said, when Sammy's healthy, Sammy's so fucking good. He mm-hmm. is. And Daniel Bryan is still great. And like I said, though, I think that they have that extra added advantage from their indie experience of working, unfortunately in front of crowds that have been zero to 15 that right, that's what feeds into my like. I think this is what's going to make this. This is the. I think these are the two, two guys on the entire card who know how to make this fit the atmosphere. Exactly. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I think Daniel Bryan's going to win. Title change, probably. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. So up next we have the uh, the epic storyline clash: Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Yes. Made on SmackDown, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler with Mandy Rose in Dolph's corner. Well, first of all, why aren't they hanging Mandy Rose from the ceiling and making this a ladder match? That that just sells itself. I know. Put her in the little cage, let her dance like the early days of TNA. Oh, did you imagine? And then like play music while the whole play music while the whole thing's going on. Do like a strobe effect and like make it club like nobody would pay attention to the match. (laughs) <laughs> well who's paying attention to this anyway it's fucking Otis versus Dolph Ziggler excuse me Otis is a fucking gem and one of the most sober guys in the company god damn it absolutely of course um, and again, his fall no that, <laughs> and the fall he see in that fall he took off the porch in, uh, the, in the elimination chamber that apparently killed him was amazing um, I think a foot off the ground and he acted like he fell off the hell on the cell but I digress. Um, how is this not heavy machinery versus Rude and Ziggler? Because nobody cares about Tucker and Bobby Rude. <laughs> oh, what breaks my heart? I love Bobby Rude. I like Bobby Rude and I like Tucker a lot too, dude. But the feud is Dolph and Otis. <sighs> um, okay, well, zigzag on Otis after uh, he puts in the good fight and then the bad guy wins the girl. Yeah, I'm actually going to give the opposite. I think it's just like, I know there's nobody there, but the thing is, Otis was over, fans like him. They want to see him overcome the douchebag and Dolph Ziggler. And they want him to have a happy ending. And That's right. That's what the fans want, so they'll put over Dolph Ziggler. Probably knowing WWE, but I'm going Otis. I'm hoping for something happy to happen on this show. Well, I've been mostly in agreement with you on this one, but I, I, sta- I stand firm on my because fuck you, that's why pal stance. Well, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, dude, because it's, like, it's very <laughs> WWE to do that. All right, then. Next up, we are allegedly having a SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. Miz and Morrison <laughs> versus the Usos versus the Newsday made on SmackDown. But wait... There was news coming out of the Mania tapings that The Miz was sick. That The Miz did not perform on WrestleMania. 
and that there was no tag team title match. Also, apparently, Miz showing up sick pissed off the Usos and the Big Dog as well. Oh, no. So, um, he was, uh, they were not happy. And there's conflicting word coming out of the tapings. It's either that one of the Usos ended up facing Morrison and they had a ladder match, or that one of the Usos, Morrison, and Kofi had a ladder match and they were for the tag titles. Okay. I was as you as you were saying that, not knowing how this story broke, because I knew the Miz wasn't going to be there. But it seemed like the next logical in terms of fan enjoyment would have been Morrison versus Kofi Kingston. I would have even settled for Morrison versus Big E. But one of the Usos. Well, because it okay. was supposed to be a triple threat match. <laughs> how about just cut the Usos? How about send them home? Well, because you had to do your overbooked finish on Friday night where Miz and Morrison ran in to cause no winner, thinking, ha-ha, we won't have any WrestleMania opponents, but they're stupid fucking heels, because every time the heels do that in wrestling, they end up in a triple threat match. Uh, so, let's go with Morrison versus, uh, what, Kofi Kingston? Is that, is that right? I, I guess, again, it's it's very... Sketchy information coming out because it's not like there were fans there to provide spoilers. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick John, uh, John Morrison, and I think he'll have a fun match with the ladder with two other people in there. Yeah, it's a, it's hard to kind of nail down what we're going to happen. I, I think they may just... I think they may keep the titles on Miz and Morrison for now, but let me tell you, how fucking big a set of nuts do you have to have to go up to two or three dudes and say, hey, you know what? I know we're kind of fucked up and everything sucks right now. Can you guys go kill yourself and do a ladder match for ten minutes in front of no fans? <laughs> I mean, these fuckers better be getting bonused out the ass if that's the case. Just people's just producers sitting around talking out loud about how can we freshen up this event? What can we do to make it livelier? And somebody throws out ladder and John Morrison just runs to the bathroom crying. Yeah. I, I don't know, dude. It's We'll see what the hell happens with this. Um, not announced, but kind of presumed coming out of SmackDown. It looks like we're to get Kabuki Warriors defending against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, allegedly, Asuka's off the event as well. I've seen that allegedly she is, but I've also seen that she is and w- did tape a match. So it's, again, I'll it's be- a very conflicting time because it's hard to tell... <laughs> um, First of all, they're pushing fucking... They're still pushing Roman and Goldberg. Because they're going to wait till Friday to air an angle. And they're still pushing this tag title match. Well, if if they actually do the tag team match versus uh, Bliss and Cross, I, I would go with Bliss and Cross because I think Vince McMahon's madly in love with Alexa Bliss. Um, so as long as she's healthy... And can compete. I'm I'm sure uh, he's had enough of the very entertaining Oscar and her little friend with tag team titles. Yeah, I think we might get a title change as well. It's just it seems like, despite the fact that the Kabuki Warriors are extremely entertaining and can actually wrestle, that like this is a thing that would piss Vince off. Yeah, agreed. So now we kind of get into the more serious stuff: the Boneyard Match. The fuck is a boneyard match? What are we in late two thousand WCW? Is Vampiro gonna show up? I'm guessing they're calling it boneyard because they didn't want to say cemetery during the pandemic. 
<laughs> or graveyard match. But it's the Undertaker or, versus AJ or hospital, Styles. Hospital, not medical facility. Yes. Or <laughs> you have to have or, your WWE produced vernacular, Mark. Yes, sir. I'll be quiet. Please continue. <laughs> so you know, I'm looking at this match, and the first thing I can think of is I would have been really pumped for this fucking match about five years ago. But things have very changed. Have changed a lot. I mean, Undertaker hasn't been good for a couple years now. And the thing that makes all of his WrestleMania matches feel special is the whole ambiance of the Undertaker character, the pop for his trademark stuff, and the reaction for his epically long entrance. And yep. this match will have none of that. <laughs> so you have Taker. He's older. He's beaten down. He's not that good without all the little things that make his appearance special. And then you have AJ Styles, who I've talked for years. AJ Styles, one of my personal favorites of all time. I think he's fucking awesome. I've followed his whole career, but it's also at the same time, I have to admit over the last two years or so, the one thing for sure is that he's farther away from being the phenomenal one than he is being closer to it. AJ's still good. I don't know if it's a combination of, or if it's just age or if it's just injury or if it's a combination of the both or, or maybe he's just got that stage cause he's getting a big paycheck to where he's just cashing a check. But, like, all of AJ's stuff as of late kind of peaks it good. As the reviewers call them, a lot of gentlemen's threes. You know, and it's... I I love AJ, but I gotta be honest. I mean, he's not great right now. Taker's far from being great. And even with whatever the fuck this boneyard gimmick is gonna be, and with whatever fucking interference they try to do, this one could be really bad. They couldn't just do a casket match or a buried alive match. Uh, probably, Boneyard, I don't know. really? That might be part of the Boneyard match, but again, they're they're staying away from those terms because of the pandemic, Mark. So let's let's talk about the Undertaker entrance for just a second. Did you ever see the movie Thor? Mm-hmm. Remember when Thor is trying to break into the military installation where they've got his hammer, and <clears throat> it's that like like plastic. Uh, tunnel and he's fighting his way through it that's what they need for the undertaker just this long like medical tunnel that like stretches out into the pc parking lot and you know and as he's just walking through he has to occasionally like fight gallows and uh um anderson and we'll throw some other you know they're not doing a battle royal so we'll throw a couple of other guys in there uh you know maybe get the the indian fella um, you know, just a couple of NXT guys, and the Undertaker's just having to beat him down left and right, like Thor did. And he finally gets into the, he comes out of the tunnel, and he finally gets to the PC. And there's AJ Styles, and AJ Styles takes advantage of an out tired and beaten up Undertaker who has fought through all these men. And then the Undertaker, uh, or rather, uh, AJ Styles lets the Undertaker throw him around for 20 minutes, and then finally the Undertaker wins. 20 minutes? Are you fucking suicidal? (laughs) You want AJ and Undertaker going 20 minutes in 2020? I don't want the, I don't want the match to happen, but you know, here we are. And I figured that's what they'll give them because it's the Undertaker. On average, since WrestleMania 30, how long have his matches been? Not very long. I should say that way. (laughs) Okay. 10 minutes. How about that? I don't even know if I won 10. I mean, first of all, I don't know why I should care about this feud. 
All AJ does is call Undertaker old man Mark and that his wife's making him wrestle. <laughs> and then all I've seen from the Undertaker is he flew to Saudi Arabia. He beat the fuck out of AJ's friends. He choke slammed AJ and pinned him without even taking his goddamn coat off. And then he arrived and he beat the shit out of him on a pay-per-view so Aleister Black can win. Why do I care? AJ Styles has had his, his ass beat repeatedly by an old man he says can't beat him. But I've seen him beat him twice already. This one be, this will be different. I, AJ Styles, he he'll bump for the Undertaker. He'll, ten minutes. I look, I'm trying here, man. I don't know. What do you want me to keep making jokes? More Marvel references? What do you want from me? I'll take the Marvel references at this point. But Jesus God, out of this <laughs> twenty minutes with these fuckers, that would just be like, God, I don't want to sit okay. through the four hours as it is, and that's just gonna make it feel like twenty. I, All right, so what if AJ Styles is standing in the middle of the ring, but he's got the Infinity Gauntlet? Never mind. Go ahead. All I know is, Mark, is I'm already older. I was 43 going into SmackDown Friday night. I'm 47 <laughs> now because they re-aired Triple H versus Roman Reigns from WrestleMania 32. Oh, Oi. That was their big have... idea to fucking hype up Roman as a world title contender was showing him beat Triple H for the title in a 27-minute match that felt like it was 87. Uh, they should have showed uh, Brock versus Roman Reigns where Roman, where Roman Reigns was beat stupid and laughing bloodily into the camera. And then Seth won. Well, at least that was entertaining. That's my favorite one yet. That was entertaining. It's, the damn sure was. I love that. But um, I'm guessing The Undertaker wins because it's WrestleMania and you know Vince doesn't want Taker losing to anybody. And it's not like AJ's ran off a great streak of WrestleMania matches. I mean... When you're hanging your hat on my best mania match was with Shane McMahon, that's not saying a lot. How did he, he wrestled Jericho in his debut, right? Yeah, it was in his WrestleMania like, debut. It was good, but was missing something. Yeah, it was disappointing, is what it was, as yeah. was the entire Dallas card. But I, I remember that, and I was like, oh, that should have been much better. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm guessing Undertaker wins because, uh, first of all, I guess it, it might literally be taking place in his yard. <laughs> so he has the oh, home that, field advantage. Oh, that'd be great because, like, in the middle. Because actually, now I want now I want, I want something completely different. I want them to have like a fist fight in the Undertaker's backyard, and like Michelle just comes out, stop, stop already, and like gives them lemonade, like talk it out. Yeah, Michelle comes up, Mark, it's time for dinner. You and your friends have to come in and stop playing. <laughs> no, even better. Just have Michelle be like just the nagging, horrible wife. So like, it's just ten minutes of her intermittently yelling, "Mark, did you take out the garbage?" Well, here's the th- here's the sad thing though. I almost don't believe I'm saying this because I never would have said it five years ago. They're, they'd probably be better off running AJ versus Michelle. <laughs> that feud has heat from ten years ago when she used the quote unquote faith breaker, which was the Styles Clash. I'm telling you, there was the built-in feud there. Didn't half the people who got the Styles Clash take it wrong and get paralyzed? Uh, there were people that took it wrong and got hurt. Yeah, Yoshitatsu in Japan. The fuck is Michelle McCool doing that move for then? She actually never had a problem doing it, honestly. Oh, good. Good for her. Because the, 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 the people that I, took oh! it weren't stupid. I, uh, fair enough. So, Yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah, but I'm guessing Undertaker wins. You th- say Mark or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Because you can't <laughs> go against a guy named Mark, so. Absolutely. So uh, from from everything I've heard, this one is still on as well, despite there being some rumors out there. K 
Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Oh my God! Speaking of feuds that never end. Uh, so a lot of what I said about Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan kind of applies here. I think they know that this is, you know, it's big match time. This is where they get a lot of latitude. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, both former Ring of Honor guys, um, you know, that know how to work. That can work small. They can work stadium. Um, they, I, I think they're not dumb either. I think Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins understand the situation that they're in. They also understand they've been feuding since the Civil War, I think. And so I think they'll pull out something special, and this will be a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin Owens has to win because he's the hero. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it definitely has a chance to be good and a lot of fun. Um, for kind of the same reasons as you mentioned, as Sammy and Brian, it just it makes a lot of sense. I I I I like both guys generally, but goddamn, I am sick of the feud. I am <laughs> so sick of the feud, and it's like it's just been part of it's that it's a different version of the feud every week between eighteen different people, and then it's the fact that like the heels always win, which. I guess it's fine if you're building to that big baby face culmination. So they kind of have to give it here, but if they don't, that would be absolutely horrible. Because the only thing <laughs> Kevin's done here is, like, he costs Seth the tag titles. But He also dumped popcorn on him. Well, yeah, but that was why he was doing that. But otherwise, it's been him getting his fucking face American History x into the fucking mat every goddamn <laughs> week. So it's like... <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's just like, yeah, give me something here. But, like, all I know is, is, like, I really want Kevin Owens to win, and I really want both of these guys to go their separate ways. They need to get away from each other in the worst way. The Monday Night Messiah thing had so much promise. It really, you know, kind of like CM Punk's um, Straight Edge Society like, if they had just given him a little bit of latitude creatively, you know, and they really leaned into Seth Rollins' like legitimate complaints about the fans and the industry at large, the Monday Night Messiah thing could have been so much fun because he's such a smarmy hipster heel with his man bun that's so hateable. And I love it. I love the fact that Seth Rollins hits just the right notes to make you want to see him set on fire and kevin owens plays a great everyday man heel but this feud just has no life because they won't let seth say anything too outrageous and they won't let kevin owens be stone cold and drive trucks to the ring and do something over the top crazy and so you get saturday morning cartoon version of Austin Foley or Austin Rock. And it's just so aggravating because I, I wanted so much more out of this feud and it's underwhelming as a word. But we're here to talk about the wrestling in this particular match. So uh, um, I'm going to kind of try to forget the last 18 years of this feud and just focus on how much I like to see these guys wrestle. And I think it'll be I think it'll be just fine. I hope so. And like I said, I think just the most important thing is I, I, I just I think Owens needs to win and I think that they need to separate these guys. 
get, get oh, yeah, them, they never get need them to going in again. a different direction and working with other people and they just need to do something because it feels just really stale at this point and it's it's not going to get any better if they keep it going with no fucking crowds either. No, this has to be the blow off. If this thing goes to SummerSlam, I quit. Okay. <laughs> Start writing it down, everybody. Mark's going to quit twice at least so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> if we keep going, I'll add a few more. Um. Yeah. Uh, next up, the NXT Women's Championship being defended on this card. Uh, champion Rhea Ripley defending against Charlotte. And I'm going to be honest. Charlotte winning the Rumble. It was not surprising because Charlotte gets a lot of the first accolades. We jokingly call her between like Kevin and I Lady Big Dog because she's basically female Roman Reigns. Um, she wouldn't have been my first choice to win. And um, when she did, one hope Kevin and I had was maybe they're going to do something with Rhea. And that's what they did here. And I, I like it because Rhea was coming off of the huge Survivor Series weekend. She won the title. They were making a concerted effort to make her a big star. And then she was going to get this WrestleMania opportunity, which was going to be huge working in front of, depending on what numbers you believe, 67 and 80,000 people. For entertainment this purposes only, remember? <laughs> <laughs> this is a mirror-mirror match for me. And I'm referencing the Star Trek episode. In the good universe, Rhea Ripley, um, Charlotte puts over Rhea Ripley big and makes her an even bigger star. And Rhea Ripley goes on to big and wonderful things in the near future. However, <clears throat> in the evil universe, where you have to stab the guy above you to get ahead and Spock has an evil mustache, uh, Charlotte Flair wins and runs roughshod over the NXT women's division and I quit and go into the woods to live deliberately. Yeah, and I'm actually going to kind of be with you on that one. I think it would be a horrible move for Charlotte to go over Rhea. Absolutely. Yeah. Ho- not only horrible, but completely fucking useless. Charlotte does not need another WrestleMania win at this time. She does not need a win over Rhea Ripley right now for sure. And the thing is, is like Charlotte is like a fucking made woman. First of all, she's Charlotte Flair. Second of all, they've given her all these firsts. They're very much behind her. And again, I go back to the joke. She's fucking Lady Big Dog. She is always going to be one of the top women in that division. Losing to Rhea Ripley is not going to hurt her at all. Rhea Ripley losing to Charlotte is going to damage Rhea Ripley, though, because people are just going to... It's going to be another one of those, oh, look at another NXT star that's not as good as everybody said. So, in the evil universe where Charlotte Flair wins the NXT title, the only way that this makes even a modicum of sense would be if simultaneously they build up a, a baby face on NXT to, to next year take the title off uh, Charlotte Flair after she's re- after she's done her best imitation of Triple H's Reign of Terror. And if that's the way they, if this is the Charlotte Flair Reign of Terror over NXT, and now that I've put that into the universe, it's probably going to happen. You can yell at me if you want. Um, who would you say, who, you know, who finally puts an end to the Reign of Terror next year on NXT? Well, technically, there's a built-in story with Bianca Belair. That's true. Because of um, Charlotte, you know, the, attacking her and beating her on TV and, you know, basically telling her that she's not in her league either and stuff. You could... Easily do that. I mean, honestly, if you're going like 
if you're looking for the best match, I'd go EO. It's not a not a bad one. I'm trying to think of some of the girls that recently, uh, you know, you have uh, Shotzi Blackheart, who's down there. You've got Chelsea. Shotzi has a, a ton of charisma and a lot of potential, but she's extremely unrefined, and I'm not sure if in a year she would be ready for a WrestleMania. Okay, that's just my opinion. Then, but it don't, I mean, I think she has mm-hmm. a lot of potential and everything. Definitely charismatic, but I just she's somebody that I think just needs time to work out rough edges. I do think she can be a future star for him, though. Mm-hmm. What about Tegan Knox? Uh, I love Tegan. I don't know if the company would be willing to get behind her for a year-long storyline due to her history with uh, injuries. Okay. I mean, Tegan's great, but I mean, I just, yeah. I just think that WWE at this point is going to be really hesitant with her because you know she's blown her knee out twice under their watch, two knees. Oof. Okay. And I would say it was probably, I mean, right now Dakota Kai is a, a heel, and I think she's a better heel when she was a face. But uh, I don't I don't see Dakota Kai rehabilitating herself as a character and becoming the face that ends the reign of Terra in a single year. It's, it just seems unlikely. Yeah. That that and she's also got shot knees. Yeah, so it, um, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I mean, I um, and I do like the Mirror Mirror references, by the way. Those are always appreciated on my podcast. <laughs> And I, I, I want to throw so, out there. I'm here for. I do want to. Th- <laughs> Not a lot of wrestling insight, but boy, do I got pop culture references for days. And I will throw out the fact that Deep Space Nine's version of the Mirror Mirror episodes were highly underrated by many. <laughs> I love Deep Space Nine. I actually made a Deep Space Nine reference recently. With um, now, before you, be, before you enter a medical facility, or you, or, or when I go to work, before I show up for work, if you have to have your temperature taken to make sure you don't have the coronavirus. And I, it made me think of the Deep Space Nine episode where uh, the members of Starfleet are meeting with the Klingons to deal with the Dominion. And they're like, all right, before anyone says anything, we're going to make sure we're all who we say we are. And they all have to cut their hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've done in the last calendar year, Mark, I've probably done at least two complete rewatches of Deep Space Nine. Oh, really? Yes. Wow, I did not know you were such a big fan. Oh, I dude, love that show. Dude, I'm oh. a big Star Trek fan to the point that, like, um, if you guys remember, um, and you'll probably remember it, I don't know if you had the service, but um, as Netflix was coming around, remember when Blockbuster got into the through mail DVD service as well? Yes. Okay, well, you know, with your Blockbuster uh, subscription, obviously, like membership, we would do that, and Christy and I would get three discs at a time of, at the, t- at the time we were watching um, Voyager. We were doing a watch through of it. And so we would get the three discs and we would take like four hours and watch all the episodes and mail them back the next day. That was like our nightly activity for the longest time. And then for her birthday that year, I had actually found the entire DVD set of the series and I bought it from like China on eBay. To to the fact that the season six discs are mislabeled as Deep Space Nine and they don't say season six, they say season. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like funny and like we always laugh about that but yeah the big, big star trek house over here dude except the new movies i do not partake i have seen them for purposes of review they are not star trek films they are action space fantastic uh if you want to call them that sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're not for me but yeah i mean uh i love the mirror mirror references i think you're I, it makes a lot of sense i mean you could do the thing with charlotte man but i just 
I think that if you're taking time to put Rhea on Mania and you're making a big deal about the first NXT championship being defended on WrestleMania and then you have her lose, you're just, you're doing the brand dirty in a year where you're doing the brand dirty anyway by canceling TakeOver and, you know, running a show that's nothing but video packages and you can't even throw them a bone with a throwback match with their collection of matches and kind of tanking on their ratings. Everything you're saying is true. But I posit one more defense of my position of the of the Charlotte Reign of Terror, that angle that I just made up out of nothing. Okay. Vince McMahon likes blondes with big boobs. What the fuck is Rhea then? <laughs> Not blonde. Oh, she is blondish hair. Not currently. She used to have blonde. It doesn't hair, look but... blonde because it's like. It's a little more brownish, but it's wet all the time. Eh. Vince also likes women that have unnecessary plastic surgery, so that's where Rhea loses out. Yeah, exa- there we go. Now, now you've seen it my way. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm 50-50 on this. If you put a gun to my head and said you have to pick one, I'm going to say hopefully in this one, Stupid doesn't win out and, and Rhea Reigns gets put... Uh, I'm sorry, Rhea Reigns. <laughs> Rhea Ripley gets put over big time. But there's that small voice in the back of my head that says Vince, Blondes, Big Boobs, Reign of Terror, Charlotte. Yeah, and I'm worried about that as well. Don't get me wrong. I really am. Um, Next up, we're going to do another title match. Drew McIntyre challenging Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. And let me tell you, when this match was first made, I was very excited. And there was nothing more that I wanted to see than Drew just fucking slay Brock really quick with a couple Claymores. That's it. Fucking take him out. Revenge on Brock for his path of destruction. Make a new fucking star. Boo. You're a horrible person, Mark. I've been told. But um, it's like, because the thing is, Brock ain't going to be around forever. You have to make new stars, and they don't do that really well. This was a big chance, and I think that Drew should win. And I was hoping he would win in dominant fashion, but I'm worried that that's not going to happen under these circumstances. I think Vince is going to get cold feet on strapping him up with no fans around there to see Brock slain and ended and for this big moment. And I also think that I've heard some rumblings. Brock is being a bit hard to work with again. He's uh, making some demands on Vince. He hates travel. He didn't want to travel to do this. And, um, Obviously, there's nothing a big old check can't fix with Brock. I mean, we all know that. <laughs> so, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance that he drops this. I think he should drop it. But I think at the end of the day, Vince gets cold feet and Brock uses his power a little bit. And I think that uh, I think they put it off and I think Brock's going to win. I think it's going to kind of suck. Uh, I agree with you. I think Brock is the Highlander. There can be only one, and he will take Drew McIntyre's soul and his power, and uh, he will be cast aside. And Brock will move on to SummerSlam, defeat whoever's in his way there, and we'll keep moving on to Survivor Series and then the Rumble. And your winner of the 2021 Royal Rumble as the world comes back to life and the flowers bloom and the pandemic goes away is my man. Newly signed, your host of WrestleMania, Gronk. I flexed when I did that, by the way. 
I did the you know. You know, you know, the, I, I run a website with has a comment section, and I see a lot of <laughs> horrendous fantasy booking. <laughs> and um, I just want to tell you that that may be the most horrible thing I've ever heard. Oh wait, I'm not done because now Gronk is your Royal Rumble Royal Rumble 2021 winner, and he points at the sign like they all do, and he says Gronk, Brock. Mania! Oh, I can see the posters. I can see... Brock versus Gronk. Say it. Say it like you're gold dust. Gronk! Brock! WrestleMania! Los Angeles! Bright lights! Big cities! Hollywood! Godzilla! King Kong! Shit on a shingle. This is what we came... Ah, you and your wrestling has to be good. Um, Brock Lesnar, Gronk. That's what I'm here to see. It's not even the, so, like, the good wrestling. Did you see fucking Gronk's debut on SmackDown? Where he did an impression of a leprechaun? It was yes, like I saw the that. worst, <laughs> most ridiculous fucking thing in the world. This dude has just got signed and he's already a robot. He comes out there dancing like there's people out there. And then, then him and Mojo are like the, the stupidest people I've ever seen together. Oh, let's trip up King Corbin. LOL, we're so funny together. It's, no. God, I, I don't want that fucker anywhere near that. Well, I've put it into the universe now, so we'll see what happens. I just happens. want everybody to know that if this comes true, you can wish a corona-related death on Mark. Oh, that's not nice at all. Well, I mean, you're putting the dirtiness out there with these Charlotte title wins and Gronk winning the Royal Rumble. I mean... I'm sorry. What what you get, you deserve at this point, Mark. <laughs> You're not the first nor the last person to wish death on me for these things. The wrath will come um, on you. <laughs> that being said, yeah, I don't see them putting Drew McIntyre over. This is this is supposed to be a celebration of your newly minted night, and they're not going to waste it here. They'll probably do it in Boston, provided the world comes back to life by then. If I could be serious for a moment. So um, I think we get Drew Brock two Electric Boogaloo in Boston at SummerSlam. And for the meantime, in between time, uh, I think to save ourselves, to save our souls, Brock defeats Drew McIntyre in like a matter of minutes. Like it's, it's just one of those suplex here, there and everywhere. <clears throat> uh, F5 pin and Brock gets back on his private plane to Saskatchewan. That's very likely what will happen. I wouldn't doubt it, but poor Drew finally looked like this was going to be his time after them fucking around like the whole time he's been there. And what do you know? A pandemic comes about. What if WrestleMania next year were like an elimination chamber, but it's like Brock, Grok, Brock, Gronk, uh, Kane Velasquez, Tito, um, Come on, I need two more to make this really ridiculous. Help me. No, I refuse to be a part of this. I'm not being taken down by you putting out this bad juju in the universe. No, no, no. Uh, Goldberg. Huh? How did I forget Goldberg? Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> not happening. We're going to have right, a Firefly fi- Funhouse match, whatever the fuck that is, with John Cena facing off with The Fiend, Mark. I heard their confrontation as when he was 
uh, when he was uh, Bray Wyatt and he confronted Cena in the empty arena. I heard that was good. I, I didn't see it. I haven't seen any of SmackDown since <clears throat> since before all this started. Uh, so how was that? Was that decent? The, their confrontation on SmackDown was actually good. It, it, it was well done. It made sense. Casino was out there kind of talking, and then basically it was Bray talking about how you brought this on yourself. You created me six years ago when you ruined me and all that shit. It, it was actually well done, yeah. Okay. So um, this week's big build was Bray and the Firefly Funhouse making a secret energy drink to beat John Cena, which included him blending up uh, Rambling Rabbit in the blender with the drink and drinking it. Did he pull up his pants and do the muscle man dance? No, but he killed poor Rambling Rabbit again. How many times has Rambling Rabbit died? Uh, I believe five at this point. My goodness. Got more lives than a cat. Um, I don't know. You would, the logic dictates that The Fiend finally get his win over John Cena since John Cena, this poor bastard. I feel more sorry for him because his damn movie got delayed for a year. He finally gets into, like, he's finally not doing, you know, like, kid pictures. And he's doing a super-duper billion-dollar blockbuster in F9, uh, Fast 9, and because of said pandemic, delayed an entire year. You poor bastard John Cena. Um, that said... Yeah, I guess the fiend win probably wins here. I hope I hope he's been using this time to shed a few pounds. He's getting portly again, or at least he was getting portly the last time I saw him. Um, like he, because he looked really good when they debuted this character, and he had shed some weight, and then like he seemed to have put a lot of that weight back on again. So I'm hoping he comes in a little trimmer for this. I guess we'll see. I mean, one would hope so, and I think that like. I want to be clear because I feel the same way, actually, Mark. And I know people are going to be like, oh, you're fat shaming Bray. Listen, nobody expects a Bray Wyatt or a Kevin Owens to look like a fucking Adonis. All, <laughs> all Mark is saying is when Bray came back and we started the Fiend gimmick, and I do agree with this, he was in the best shape I had ever seen him in. He really yeah. was. He had trimmed down. And again, he's not going to be fucking Muscles McGee out there. But trimming down and just looking a little more brawler badass did a world of good with that gimmick change. And when yes. you're kind of, you know, when you kind of start chubbing up again to where it looks like, and I don't know what it is, maybe he's injured because he hasn't wrestled a ton. Maybe there's something going on we don't know about. But when it appears you're starting to put back on the weight, it makes it look like you're not trying. Look, here's the thing. I have no problem with Otis or Kevin Owens or anybody who is supposed to look hefty. If you can move and, and you know and you can wrestle, great. I don't and it's not something I talk about. But first of all, he's running like a you know like a half clown punk rock gimmick going on with those pants and everything, which now look too tight for his body because he put back on weight. So all I'm saying is if you're gonna do that, be in the shape that makes that character look good. Don't mess it up by getting too heavy. If he wants to go back to wrestling in white pants and an apron, be as fat as you want. I don't really give a shit. But if you're going to do The Fiend, go be in Fiend shape, not in, like, sad fat kid with a scary mask, which is what he looked like the last time I saw him. Um, yeah, it was the Goldberg match. It was Super Showdown, <laughs> where when it was over. And uh, he just... 
he just looked like a sad fat kid. And I was like, oh, come on. That's not what I want to see here. Get 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 into shape here. Yeah. And the um, worst part about that was he did not go up at all for that jackhammer. And it looked like shit. <laughs> right. And that's the other thing. Like, you know, like somebody like an Otis or a Tucker or like Biggie who are bigger guys, but can, you know, get up and, you know, and be there for the people they're wrestling with and take care of them. Great. You're not going to hear me make a lot of uh, comments like this. But if you're going to put on weight and then not be as athletic or agile, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I agree. But um, yeah, I look at this match and it sucks that they finally get Cena to come back for a Mania match. And it's a Mania match that made sense to book him and The Fiend and to book Reigns and Goldberg because those were matches in theory that improved the card because Cena and The Fiend have a history. Reigns and Goldberg on paper is a much bigger and better match than Reigns and The Fiend. And then you get this fucking pandemic and there's going to be no fans there. So now you have John Cena back finally and he's doing TV appearances and nobody's there to see it. On the here's the one positive thing I'll say about this much, you know, like as stupid as the Boneyard match thing is, that's got to be something they're going to have fun with and do cinematically. Same thing here. I'm sure because this will lend itself because they don't have to worry about it's one of the things where they're where they don't have to worry about a live crowd so they can really have fun with this and really make it special and cinematic and you know shot specifically for television. I think it could be great. I think as a gimmick, as a fun, entertaining segment, I think this this could be over the top, ex, you know, exciting. If if they're capable of such creativity. The counterpoint to that is, and I largely agree with your point, is that I think when they get something like this to where they feel they're going to have a lot of freedom and they can try stuff, I also feel that this is where WWE does not know how to edit themselves. I greatly fear that they're going to get in there and look at this as like the new toy thing and they're going to try to do something cool and it's going to end up in an overly long, overly produced mess of things. It's going to be the Homer's new car of um, WrestleMania matches. That very well could be. Or it could be that wacky match that they did with uh, Bray and Randy Orton in the house. Ugh, I was there for that live. Uh, you're talking about the one where... Wait, are you talking about the WrestleMania where they were doing projections? No, no, no. Stupid, I'm talking about like, the rematch oh. they did later where they like fought in a house. It was like a House of Horrors <laughs> match. It, oh, God, it, I there, vaguely remember it's like, this. Because at the end of it, like, Bray's laying there, and he looks like he's in a fucking crack house laying on the <laughs> kitchen floor, and it's, like, the most embarrassing thing. I, I, I must have blocked that from my memory, but, yeah, now that you mention it, now it's triggered. I kind of remember that, and I kind of remember it being, like, C-level movie bad. Yeah, and again, I, I like a, I like a good B movie. I like a good Grindhouse movie. I like stuff. I fucking loved Lucha Underground. I can get into that stuff if it's done well. I just sure. hope that it, like I said, that it's not an overdone production and that it's not overly long because I think that for something like that, it can be really good, but you also kind of have to stay in your lane with it. Because once it goes think, too long, it's like like any wrestling match. And I've talked about this for a long time. And I'm going to say it again because I want to make it clear. And I'm talking about every goddamn company. 
Not every fucking wrestling main event needs to be over 30 fucking minutes. Okay? <laughs> I'm looking at you, Okada. I'd love for you to break out like a fucking random 13-minute main event for me one day, okay? I'm talking about everybody, though, because, like, fucking indies are doing it now. WWE does it. Impact does it. Everybody feels like they have to try to put on the forced epic. The forced Triple H epic style match. And when you try to do the epic, oftentimes that is when you fail. So hopefully they go into this. Bray is a pretty creative fucking dude. Hopefully he has some really good ideas. They do some fun stuff with it. Maybe you get Jeremy Borash involved because he was really instrumental in shooting all the Broken Hardy stuff. And maybe, like you said, Mark, maybe it ends up being a lot of fun and it's really cool. I think they need to go full Nightmare on Elm Street with this. Just, like, put Cena on a wire and, like, just, you know, have him be like Nancy, just like flying around the room and rolling up the wall and the ceiling. Um, you know, get the make the fiend kind of lean into the Freddy Krueger thing. Oh, it would be fantastic. So, and I'm not be like a big horror fan, but just go, just go crazy. Yeah, and that's kind of the other thing too. I think if you're gonna do it, it's not only important for it to be not too long, but if you're gonna do something like this, you need to lean in and do it a hundred percent. Hey, I don't. I don't know if this is this is too far off topic, but you talked about. Um, <clears throat> you just said something and it, it triggered this. Did you watch the Benoit uh, Dark Side of the Ring? Yes, I did. I actually recorded a big show on it with uh, Jerome the other night. That's going to be airing. So, I um, not to go too far off topic, but when they started, when they got into the CTE section of that documentary. Gosh, all I could think about was, I think it was, what, Naito and Ibushi, who had that series of matches where they kept landing on their heads? Yeah. That's all I could think about. Yeah. All, Sorry, I know it's No, no, that's fine. Although about, with but... them, I'm honestly a little more worried neck damage-wise than I am uh, concussion-wise. Because, I mean, they both haven't had a ton of concussions, although a few is enough. But, I mean, my major thing is someone's going to snap a goddamn neck. But... Yeah. Hopefully not. But yeah, the, uh, the Benoit stuff. Who, oh, Christ, that was an emotionally draining watch. Yeah, I watched that with my wife, and I got all of 30 seconds into it. They showed in just the preview, like like the pre-trailer as the, before they go into the show proper, and they show the picture of Nancy, Chris, and Daniel at their wedding, and immediately I just started bawling. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I didn't even make it into the show. Yeah, it's a completely emotionally draining watch. And like I say in the show I do with Jerome, I said I say it's like it's a highly recommended watch. It's very well done, but don't go into it looking for a happy time watch and don't go into it expecting to feel really good coming out of it. Nope, and I got mad at Nancy Grace all over again. Oh, yeah, that's easy to do. <laughs> Yes, sir. So, yeah, The Fiend should win, man, because it's like John's not coming back to work full time. And, you know, it's like you're trying to tell the story of The Fiend getting his revenge and just do it and let him fucking move along. And, you know, you use John Cena to put somebody over and it makes sense because he came in and said that he's not going to be here regularly and all that stuff. And even T's not doing Mania makes no sense for him to win. 100% agree with you. The next match we're going to talk about is easily the best built thing on this entire show. The last man standing match with Edge and Randy Orton. I'm sorry. Ugh. 
now on. Just horrible, Mark. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I I really like this. Obviously, we go back to the Rumble. We had the big surprise return of Edge. Um, and, um, you know, hey, thanks, AEW, because they were talking to Edge, and Edge scored a sweet $3 million a year deal from that. God bless him. Yeah, man. I mean, I can't hate on that. Brother got a wife and a couple girls. He wants to put through college $3 million a year and do a lot for that. <laughs> By the time his girls are ready to go to college, it may be $3 million a year. That's no joke. So, but um, I've um, I've really thought that this feud has been well done, strongly executed. We've gotten a lot of good promos from the guys. I thought the uh, Randy and Beth segment was actually really good too, and I like that they're doing a last man standing match because you have you can't just do a basic fucking professional grappling match after one dude tries to end another dude's career. The thing that comes along with that though is the uh, first of all, last man standing matches aren't easy to do. Because you don't have the advantages of near falls and submissions throughout. And then it's going to be even a bit harder here because there's no crowd to play off of. So we'll see how they work that out. The other thing I'm worried about is I'm very certain that Edge is going to be fucking trying to deliver a WrestleMania match here. And I don't think that Randy Orton by any means dogs it. But over the past couple years, it's very clear that Randy Orton gets into Randy Orton mode where he gets locked into doing what he wants to do. He rarely deviates from that, and he very rarely goes outside the box. Unless it's Brock legit busting him fucking open at SummerSlam. (laughs) So, here's the thing with this. Um, First of all, I hate Randy Orton. Except for when Randy Orton's a lunatic. I like crazy Randy Orton. I like... Intermittent explosive disorder, Randy Orton. Um, and I still say his match at the end of the angle with Triple H was one of the worst things I've ever seen because they built up the fact that these two hate each other and they're attacking each other's families and Randy's a lunatic. And then they had a wrestling match. <sighs> that said, um, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. Um, lunatic Randy versus... Uh, WrestleMania moment edge. These two guys know each other. They've been in the business a long time. They know how to put on memorable matches. I think they're going to deliver here. I think Randy will be up for this. I think this is something Randy wants to do. And so he doesn't want to just dog fuck it. Um, I think edge, you know, because he's not working the grinding typical WWE schedule will go, you know, and this is his big like comeback. will go out of his way to do some extra special stuff. Again, last man standing matches suck for the crowd because these things go into toilets and they go into, you know, the, the, uh, the concession stands and stuff. And they go into boiler rooms. They go all over the place. They go into parking lots. They go into the East river. So when you don't, so much like I said with the, with the other matches that aren't traditional wrestling matches, the camera can go anywhere and they can do anything and they can really make this a cinematic experience. So I think this is going to be one of the better matches on the card. And while again, I'm not a huge fan of Randy Orton and I was in the minority. I didn't care that edge came back. I'm, I'm up for this match. I'm up for this experience. And I think this is going to be one of the lost leader. Uh, one of the, um, the, the, 
one the you know one of the uh, matches leading the pack on this whole experience, this whole event. It wouldn't shock me if it was. I really hope it is because um, I'm excited for it again. I think it's probably it's been easily the best built up thing on this show. Uh, next, we go to and, the Raw Women's Championship match: Shayna Baszler challenging champion Becky Lynch. And you know, you look back, Becky's had a a good year as champion. Um, she's had a strong run despite not having the best challengers most of the time. But I think a lot of it during her run lately is she's been slowly changing into kind of an overconfident, unlikable champion and. Losing that side of her that the fans really liked, and I think that is by design in part because I think they're setting up for her fall. I think Shayna coming off of her NXT uh, Women's Championship run and the Elimination Chamber primed her to take the title here, and I've I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. I, I don't change my mind on this one. I think you go Rocky three with this one. I think you have Shayna just largely fucking wreck her. You know, because Becky is the overconfident champion, living a life of stardom, forgetting the performer she was that brought her to the championship. Shayna doesn't give a fuck. She gives no fucks. And she's just going to beat shit out of her and win. Which is... I like your... I, I, real quick, this is what I think it should be. And then you build up the uh, the Becky Lynch redemption arc to where she has to get back to herself. And you pay it off at Survivor Series or the Rumble next year. And then you move on. I like your Rocky reference. I'm here for your Rocky reference, and I hope that's what they do. However, I see a different boxing movie here. I see the great white hype. I think Shayna Baszler gets in there, and Becky must pose. Uh, Bing, bang, boom. Becky wins. That would be horrible. It would be. (laughs) That would be fucking horrible. (laughs) I hope you're wrong, but (laughs) we'll see. And that brings us to the last match, the Universal Championship match. The champion, Bill Goldberg, was supposed to face against the big dog, Roman Reigns. He is now reportedly facing off with Braun Strowman, Mark. (laughs) Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, I think... Braun Strowman uh, gives it his college, his best college try. Spear, jackhammer, Goldberg retains. Yeah, I think, um, you know, they had times to put Braun over as a champion and they refused to. He's older now. He's had a couple injury issues coming off his powerlifting background just because that wear and tear on the body. I'm not really sure, despite the fact that they've resigned them for a good deal, that um, they're interested in putting the world championship either version on him. And I think that the goal is going to be to keep it on Bill Goldberg, so I agree with you, and that uh, they're going to build to Goldberg versus Roman, maybe at SummerSlam or something. So a couple of things here. One, Braun Strowman is the new big show. He's here. He, he's, the, he's the jobber to the superstars. He's here to be in big matches for your champion or your face or whatever to go over. But he's, he's basically the big show. Um, the WWE is trying to get some of that uh, UFC pay-per-view money, as I know you guys have talked about on here. And gold, that strap's not coming off Goldberg 
until that happens. I also think and that's then, why it's not coming off Brock either. And then third, they're not gonna take the, the belt off Goldberg now when they can crown Roman at SummerSlam or some other big event. This is the, the you know, had this been in Tampa, well boy, this whole review would have been different, wouldn't it? But had this been in Tampa, I would have gone the other way. Uh, you know, Roman wins, et cetera, et cetera. But given where we are right now in the world, there's no way Goldberg loses this title. Um, they'll say they'll save that match for when they can do it in a big stadium, either later in Boston or maybe uh, next year in Los Angeles. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, is uh, Braun didn't make any friends over the past two weeks. What an asshole! Yeah, like even if, if you guys even don't you know, think that. first of all, he, for no reason, he decided that he was going to get into a little online kerfuffle with fucking um, Lance Archer. Because people were talking about Lance Archer being better than him and that maybe Braun should have been um, presented the way Lance was when they did that vignette on TV with him killing like 18 indie jobbers in a ring on a private property. It's like, like they wanted Braun Strowman to be presented as a large backyard wrestler. Well, I think they, they, they wanted Braun to be presented as somebody who was actually a badass, not a fucking goof that loses to everybody and then dances with the New Day later. Hey, hey, not for nothing, but that man tipped an ambulance over back in the day. Yeah, and I think everybody's forgot about that. I haven't. I remember you. I remember you, Braun, when you were something. So, and then the other one, the big one, was he fucking goes after Evil Uno, who was supporting out um, support for independent wrestlers who were going to be losing a lot of money during this whole coronavirus thing. Because for a sure. lot of independent wrestlers, independent wrestling is their full-time thing where they make most of their money. And a lot of them make the bulk of their money for a good portion of the year over Mania weekend. Now, Evil Uno wasn't saying, hey, just give these fuckers random money. He was like, if it's in your means, he basically said, donate to a Patreon, buy a shirt, do what you can if you're in position to do so. If you don't mind, yeah. just an example of this. So not with wrestling, but with, uh, with bands in two particular cases. Um, you had the Dropkick Murphys, who did a St. Patrick's Day live stream concert, uh, which my family and I watched. And then they were like, hey, our whole tour got canceled because of this. But we did this show. If you wouldn't mind, buy a shirt. I bought two. One for myself, one for my daughter. Um, in the case of Crowbar, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Crowbar at all. But their whole tour got canceled over the spring. And they were like, well, we were sitting on like thousands of T-shirts here. If you have the opportunity, if you have the money, please buy a shirt for our horrible canceled tour. And you know what, Larry? I bought a shirt. First of all, I, I thought the shirt looked awesome. It's the um, the le the uh, the leaf, uh, what the full name of it is, but it's that that like New Orleans Saints logo. Uh, it says Crowbar on it, and it looks really really cool. And I'm like, you know, who the fuck is Crowbar? I'll support Crowbar. I remember seeing him with Pantera years ago. I'll throw a little money at these guys and help them out. And there's little things like that happening all over the place, not just in wrestling, in music, and you know, people who survive in the gig economy. There's all kinds of people going, here's a few bucks, you know, for a thing to help you out. This is not out of left field, and it certainly isn't, as Braun put it, begging. 
but I'll let you. Continue. Well, I was gonna say, you know, it's easy, really easy for Mister One Point Fucking Two Million Dollars a Year Downside Guarantee to say this, <laughs> right? His money's That's fucking crazy. guaranteed. And the thing that really bothered me about it was not only is he being an asshole about it, but like Evil Uno was a dude who until a year ago was nothing but an indie wrestler. And he's under that AEW contract now. So all he was doing was shouting out some support for his brothers on the indie scene. He was trying to do a nice thing because he has a bigger platform and more followers now. Yes, he's doing a nice thing that lots of people are doing for lots of other people. That's the whole point of me bringing up the Dropkick Murphys and Crowbar. And then so, you know... I guess Braun Strowman thinks uh, John Moxley's a pathetic asshole for donating money to independent wrestlers. You know? <laughs> but it's like, I, I don't know, man. I guess it's really fucking easy when you make $1.2 million a year not to worry about your fucking money. But well, look, there are people out there it, that are hurting, man. Well, that's the whole thing. It's, uh, you know, we're not in normal times right now. We're in a, a completely alien situation. Because I don't know about you, Larry, but I haven't lived through a pandemic that shut the economy down far and wide, including, you know, including services like schools and shit. The first time for me, first time for you. Uh, yeah, I've actually never been through a pandemic. I've been through a lot. I've even lost a leg, but not a pandemic. Indeed. So, you know, with the economy going as well as it was going and people being able to do things and the gig economy going strong and suddenly everything stops through no fault of anyone of, of anyone else. I mean, this isn't the pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Stop going on welfare. The fucking economy just stopped because of this. People's livelihoods just stopped. And all he was saying was, hey, no one saw this coming and we're ill prepared for it. If you can help somebody, help somebody. I, <laughs> there are times I, I love your line on Twitter. Just log off. Yeah. Somebody else. <laughs> Somebody else wrote, wrote recently, and I, and I put this up on Facebook, and I think for a while it was actually like my profile picture. Not everything needs a reaction. Yeah, seriously. Like if you, like if you, you can think it if you want, if you, you know whatever you can have whatever douchebag thoughts you want, but Jesus Christ, keep them to yourself. Yeah, pretty much, man. I just, and again, I'm not saying that everybody needs to feel sorry for everybody else, and that everybody needs to take it upon themselves to help everybody else. But the other thing to this is that, like, again, he was, Evil Uno was just throwing out some support to his indie <laughs> brethren. Okay, that's all he was doing. He didn't say break your bank and empty your savings account for his friends. Right. He said if you got a chance, you know, support a Patreon for a buck a month, buy a t-shirt. That's all he said. And again, it's easy for Mr. $1.2 million a year to not worry about his fucking financial status. It, it didn't need comment. It was one of those, do it if you want, don't do it if you don't want, but it doesn't need a comment. It certainly doesn't need to be ridiculed. And his, you know, and his whole thing about, you know, hey, I quit Strongman because <clears throat> this is the point that I was trying to get to before. It may have been lost. His whole thing was, well, I quit Strongman and got myself a better job because I was broke. That isn't the situation these people are in. You know what, Braun? It's, it's, Here's the other thing he's fuckers forgetting. Not everybody is six foot six and a former fucking strong man that WWE and Vince McMahon are going to wank off over to and sign with no fucking experience. But even if that, like, imagine, Larry, you worked at a place. Doesn't matter what place it is. You work, there was a building, it had a job in it, you worked at that job. 
And you got up, you put your pants on, you put your shirt on, you got in your car, you drove to the office, you parked your car, you go up, and you're and, and the whole fucking building's gone. This is gone. There's there's no building there anymore. And you look left and you look right and you're like, hey, where'd my job go? And you call people and they're not picking up, and nobody around can tell you anything. You're just like, I I don't. And you and and you wait a week and you don't get a paycheck and you're like, I don't know what the fuck happened and I don't know how to fix it and I don't know what to do next. That's not the same as I quit strong man because I wasn't making enough money and made and did something else. Do you see like there's like a huge difference between his perception of what happened and what's actually happening? People woke up one day and went, "Oh shit, I don't have a job that I had literally yesterday." Well, don't let the facts get in the way. I mean, you know, Braun sacrificed and <laughs> drove to Orlando with 150 bucks and his fucking Kia piece of shit or whatever and thinks he's a hero now. Jim Cornette's take on him was really funny. He was like, first of all, if you only had 100 at whatever age you are, if you only had $150 in your pocket, maybe you weren't making good decisions up to that point even then. Yeah, I didn't li- I, I don't listen to Jim pretty much anymore, so that's I I hadn't heard it, but I, I know I saw some people talking about, it. but yeah, it's just like like you said is it's a combination between log off and everything doesn't need to be commented on. Yes, sir. And unfortunately, Braun did not learn that lesson. He just so, but yeah, I mean, for a multitude of reasons, I do not see Braun Strowman winning this championship. Would be absolutely shocked because I think you should try to if you're going to try to do the Roman and Goldberg thing, you should still try to do it when you can. And um, just yeah. It, unless there's something happening behind the scenes that like Roman has declared, I'm not coming back for six months until this fucker is completely gone. And they go, okay, well let's just move the title on somebody who's full time because Bill's not staying around. I mean, unless that happens, I just don't see a title change. Goldberg Reigns will be just as good as in Boston as it will be in wherever the fuck they're doing Survivor Series, as it will be. Next year in Los Angeles. Whenever they decide to do this, it'll be just fine. It doesn't need to be done now. Exactly. So, I don't know, man. That's uh, that's WrestleMania, Mark, as we know it Woo! right now at 10-10 on the, um, what the fuck, on the 28th of March. And again, this could change by the time this gets posted, but... uh. That's okay. By the time we actually get to next Saturday night, it'll be Vince McMahon running a gauntlet. I mean, very possibly, but I mean, it's a, uh, this is definitely a WrestleMania that uh, nobody saw coming. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you, you don't generally plan for the pandemic. At least I don't. What I love about this whole thing is that you keep reading these stories about how nobody in the company wanted this. Nobody in the company wanted to do this. Everybody said, let's just cancel it. And even if you go like, well, the insurance thing, okay, you know, let, let's just, you know, we'll say it's at the PC, but then our, the city of Orlando or the county of Orange will shut us down and it'll be fine and we'll put all of this off until June in Madison Square Garden or August in Boston. It, had cooler, saner, logical heads prevailed. I'd be watching BoJack Horseman and you'd be doing whatever it was you were doing before we recorded this. And we wouldn't be talking about WrestleMania because there isn't going to be a WrestleMania and there shouldn't be a WrestleMania. And I love the line about we, we, I think it was that you said this, we are obligated and we feel it's important to provide entertainment in this time of need. 
sure, <laughs> but this probably wasn't the way to do it. But uh, and we'll see what this ends up looking like when it's all over. Who knows? We could talk again when it's all over and be like, that was amazing. That's a major rabbit they pulled out of their ass. But I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah. And again, I mean, people are to think like, oh, Larry wants us to fail because he said they should have canceled it. No, do you fucking realize I now have to cover two four-plus-hour shows? Do you think I want them to be bad? I'll be watching. I, I, I'll want, have my Tyson I, want, shirt on. I want magic to happen. I want there to be some good. I don't want to sit there for four hours typing. Well, that was okay. They tried. It might have been better with the crowd. I mean, you can only say that so many times. I don't want to say that for four fucking hours. Hopefully there's some good shit. Maybe the Boneyard match will be a cinematic masterpiece. Maybe the Firefly Funhouse will actually be really good. Who the fuck knows? I'm hoping it's a really good show. Because I have to cover it. And I like good wrestling. And I've okay, I got- I've seen really quick that like you can do really good to great wrestling in an emptiest show. I saw it on that UK show I covered. I saw it on the first AEW Empty Arena show. You can do it with the right people and the right match layout. Well, don't worry, Larry, because next year you're going to get the greatest WrestleMania. I mean, this is going to pass. We'll beat this. The, the spirit and the human ingenuity will come through and we will beat this pandemic and this will all be a distant memory. We'll laugh at a year from now about all the times we had in quarantine as we sit and watch WrestleMania 37, the elimination chamber between Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, Gronk, Kane Velasquez, Tito Ortiz, and Tyson Fury. Just the worst. The worst. <laughs> Waiting for you to be like, so this was the last time we had Mark on this show. <laughs> Mark went back to his home planet. <laughs> oh, just, if any of that comes true, I just, I don't know. You're going to come down here and kick me with your other leg? Yes, I'll, I'll beat you with the prosthetic one. That's like part Kevlar and titanium. Yeah, the line forms to the left, Larry. You'll have to get behind Robert Winfrey. Please, I'll beat him too. (laughs) Terrific. But yeah, seriously, that's that's WrestleMania. Mark, thank you as always. It was good talking to you. And uh, again, we will see what happens with WrestleMania. Yep, looking forward to it, Larry. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And we're going to continue on with the next segment in a moment. All right, everybody, welcome back to the next segment of the show. Joining me after a week off is Steve Cook. Steve, how are you, sir? Oh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good and fantastic. I I am well. I am not sick, so that's all we can hope for at this point, That's right? right. Same here, man. And, uh, you know, yeah. last week we, we uh, ran some retro stuff. We thought we were going to have a bunch of scheduling issues, so we just went with the retro show last week, and uh, people enjoyed that, so that was good. But we're... We're back to the yeah. usual stuff this week. I already talked WrestleMania 36 with Mark, and you and I are going to do our normal AEW and NXT reviews for tonight, which was April 1st, 2020, Steve. There were no April Fool's jokes on the shows, as far as I could tell, which I appreciate, because for God's sakes, who needs an April Fool's joke right Well, now? there was one on NXT, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> So we we we're to start off with uh, AEW Dynamite, Steve. Again, uh, April first, two thousand twenty. Now, last night on Dark, they had announced the first two competitors for the AEW TNT Championship Tournament. 
which is essentially going to yeah. be a TV title. Those matches were sure. Cody versus Sean Spears and Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, four men that are not strangers with each other, so it makes sense for that nope. side of the bracket. Second side of the bracket was announced tonight, which was Dustin Rhodes versus Kip Sabian and Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana. Now, who did Colt piss off? I know, right? Now, the first thing <laughs> I saw was instantly people wanted to complain about this because where's Pac? Where's Pentagon? Where's this and that? Blah blah blah. What people need to understand is the international travel bans are hurting AEW more than WWE. Certain uh-huh. guys cannot get into the company. I've talked about it on Dark for the last two weeks. They've been largely working with a skeleton crew with the people that are local. Hell, the California guys can't even fucking get in, which means the Bucks, SCU, and whoever else is out there. I think even freaking Excalibur. Yeah, can't Excalibur. But I, th- I think like Luchasaurus <laughs> and Jungle Boy are also California as well. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that them along with Death Triangle, we're fucking we're already over ten guys that can't get in. Excalibur, like you say, can't get in. Jim Ross is off the show because he's a high risk uh, person. So yeah. they have to make the best of what they can do. They have to create programming, and they're doing what they can. I think that they're doing a good job. Again, Cody and Sean Spears has history. Darby and Sammy have history. If it happens yeah. to get to Cody and Darby... That's a killer side of a bracket, yeah. right? That's a good yeah. side of a bracket. And here's the thing. If it you is. get to Cody versus Darby or um, Cody versus Guevara, both of those have faced yeah. off in the past, so that's good there. Dustin and Kip Sabian will probably be a good match. Dustin working with anybody seems to work these days. I think that's probably yep. a win for Kip Sabian, but we'll see. Lance Archer and Colt yeah. Cabana. Colt's undefeated so far. Lance Archer murdered a man, which we'll talk about later tonight in his debut. So, I mean, yeah. we'll see. I mean, in theory, this may be setting up the Lance Archer-Cody match with something extra. I think that's what's going to happen. That'll, that'll probably be what happens. And, you know, people were talking about the, the name of the championship, too, which uh, the TNT championship, which is obviously like a TV championship, pretty much. And, you know, uh, at first, a lot of people were like, oh, well, that doesn't sound too good. But the more we thought about it, the more it's like, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. It's the TNT network, their title. And it's also good very confidence for the company, I think. And the other thing to consider on top of that, Steve, and I agree with you, is the fact that remember when AEW signed that new TV deal? They're supposed to be getting a second hour, another hour on TNT at some point, which yeah. is extra programming. So naming the championship the TNT championship, which would be defended on both shows, makes a lot of sense because their whole goal is to really not have world title matches on TV as much as possible. Now, obviously, no, obviously that should uh, that should be a rare exactly, thing. and yes. they've done they did like the rare Jericho one with Scorpio Sky, and they're going to be doing Hager and uh, Moxley, but I mean again that's Hager's a challenger of the month type thing. He's not a pay per view opponent. I have yeah. no problem with that. And I think that if you have the TNT logo as like the main face play of the belt, I think it looks pretty good. Agreed. So yeah. again, yeah, we're kind of running skeleton crew. We had a. Tony Schiavone, Cody Rhodes, and Pharaoh the Dog welcoming, uh, welcoming us to our undisclosed location tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yes, apparently, which, uh, you know, some people smarted me up to it on the internet, if you will. Apparently, there's a wrestling school that uh, Cody is uh, uh, bought into or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Marshall uh, School. In- 
QT Marshall School. Okay, there you go. Which Cody has some some money into, which uh, is where they tape these shows. And apparently George's uh, stay-at-home order doesn't take back till Friday. So, yeah. Tape a lot of shit right now, guys. Tape a lot of shit. So I'm that saying. was apparently tape their it. plan going into it. So we had Cody and Tony on yeah. commentary. The lovely Dasha Gonzalez doing ring announcing tonight since uh, Brandy yes. was going to be managing later. I like the Cody and Tony team. They're I mean, a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Tony has a ton of history of that family. Of course, Dusty loved working with Tony. And, you know, it's it's all thing. And it's, it's good stuff. So, And uh, the good thing about tonight was we had the wrestlers back in the crowd, Steve. We did. The gun club was on one side of the building. They were cheering for everybody and whatnot. And, uh... They were there the whole time, and we had some other people on the other side. Of course, uh, Britt Baker was there over, hanging out over Eating there. Delicious we saw, sandwich. yeah, 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 yes. Eating some hamburgers and whatnot. Yeah. We Kip saw Sabian, Jimmy, Jimmy Havoc. Havoc. Yep. Yeah, those guys uh, who were a regular traveling uh, uh, group, if you will. I see Jimmy and Kip and Penelope hanging out a lot together. There you go. And we, we, uh, it doesn't seem like they like each other too much, but it's okay. It works. <laughs> it works, yeah. So, yeah. Steve, we opened up our show, and I don't know if you're going to agree, but I thought this was the best match of the night on both shows. Kenny Omega facing off yeah. with Trent of the Best Friends. I'll agree with you on that. This is a fucking tremendous match. Yeah. These two guys. Yeah. And they went balls to the wall. Goodness, you know, and the thing is, I mean, we know Kenny's great. Trent has been really good with every opportunity they've given him. He is. Yeah, Trent has been the uh, – Trent's kind of been the underrated MVP of this promotion so far. Yeah, he's he's really good. I like Trent a ton. Yeah. And so yeah. they proceeded to have what I would consider a great 19-minute and 10-second match. Kenny Omega yeah. wins in the final minute. I thought overall it was great. It was very competitive. Both guys were busting their asses to deliver. And I thought overall, considering, you know, the the lack of crowd and just the wrestlers, I thought that they were able to give us a rather dramatic and compelling empty arena match that beautifully teased that draw possibility, which we all know in AEW is a possibility because we've seen a couple. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was was some pretty crazy stuff. They're going back and forth and get... Yeah, I mean, Trent's a good old-fashioned baby face. And you saw a spot earlier in the match where they did some dives. You had the best friends hugging Trent at one point. And then you had Kenny Omega hit the dive. And, you know, I think Orange Cassidy wanted to hug Kenny Omega. Chuck Taylor's not all about He was not about that. No, he, he was not pleased. I think Orange would have been. No, Orange Cassidy was all about it. But <laughs> Chuck Taylor's... Very loyal. I, I, th- so I think that Orange Cassidy was just impressed with that sweet ass tope, is all. Is a, yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't he be? You know, get, Orange hey, Cassidy, a tough man to impress, but is a good, uh, is a good tope. You know, you, you talk about great wrestler Steve. Game recognizes game, obviously. And Orange Cassidy, I damn mean, right. So that's right. But yeah, I mean Chuck Taylor. Chuck Taylor has his blinders on because Trent is his best friend. That's right. You know, it is what it is. What it is, but uh, and then. You know, Trent starts targeting the hand. You know, he's going, he's going a little over the line. I thought, you know, but you gotta do what you gotta do in these situations. When you go, when you try and beat Kenny Omega, you gotta do what you gotta do. You, you can't blame him for that. And uh, you know, Kenny had to hit that one winged angel, and that's what put him away. 
and just yeah some really good stuff tough to turn away from this match to be honest with you i was I was thinking maybe I could switch over their channel, but man, these guys just kept breaking it. Yeah, and uh, and breaking as uh, as the reviewers call it, this is a notebook match for you kids out there. The the notebook match standard is four stars and above, worth going out of your time to see. And that's what I thought yeah. this one was. I, I love this, and again, you know, there was a lot of people in late 2019 wanting to shit on Kenny Omega. Oh, not the same guy. Not having any good matches anymore. And he's there then in now. 2020, he's basically shoved that up everybody's ass. <laughs> yeah. He is back to being fucking New Japan main event match, Kenny Omega. That's right. That's where he is right yeah, now. I, I laughed at that narrative. Well, obviously, working with Okada and Naito, like, brought out the best and shadowed all of Kenny's shortcomings. What the fuck uh, ever, man? <laughs> no, apparently not. Yeah. No, the guy, he can bring it. I mean, I know as much as Jim Cornette hates the jazz hands or whatever he wants to go on about or, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, man, that guy can – he brings it whenever he's – the last couple of weeks, that match with Sammy Guevara last week, fucking tremendous. You know, that's four stars and above too. And this week with, with Trent, who – and like I said earlier, Trent is probably the underrated MVP of this promotion so far. And these two guys just went out there and they fucking had a balls out fantastic match. Yeah, great way to open the show. And that's uh, that's always a hook, man. You want to have that hook to open the show like that? That led to uh, a video package and highlights of the issues between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. A good yes. video package. We got another good little video package for Hikaru Shida, which led to Hikaru Shida, yes. always lovely, facing off with a new lass here. Um, yes. The lovely Anna Jay from the QT Marshall School, a Georgia native, apparently. and uh, A very impressive showing from Anna Jay. Yes. Uh, Hikaru Shida obviously won five minutes and five seconds via pin. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I th- I- I'm not going to really argue it because I thought it was a perfectly solid match. I think you could argue that it was a maybe a little too competitive. But again, I thought it was really solid. And I thought um, Anna Jay looked like she had a lot of potential in her first TV match. So apparently QT Marshall is doing something right at that school. It might also have something to do with uh, Hikaru Shida being also tremendous as well. Because she can, she can, we've seen her before on these shows where, you know, she's drugged some good matches out of some people who didn't have good matches before. And maybe it's Mayus in their one of the situations, but uh, I'm gonna give Beth a doubt. I'm gonna say Anna Jay has a lot of potential going forward, and is the right result to have Akashida winning and going over. And uh, then after the match, we had a little a situation with her and Britt Baker, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. Don't get me wrong, you know. And there's a situation where Britt has a shoe. I don't know what's going on. Who throws a shoe, Steve? Really. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. The best one was after the show. Hikaru Shida tweeted, Britt was giving me attitude needing a sandwich because she said my match was boring. How rude. That's right. Yeah. Very rude. Very rude. I, it, it was not boring. It was a very good match. I will give Shida a lot of credit for that. And uh, holy Shida. That's right. Become one, become one of the top stars here in AEW. And real quick, I do want to um, kind of Tarantino back. We were talking about how they've kind of had to work with this reduced roster. And what a lot of people need to understand is that's also hitting the women's roster because you have you have oh, international yeah. talent that can't get in. Britt Baker took some time off because she works in the medical field. Yeah, and absolutely. the other thing is like Big Swole's off TV because um, she had battled it was I think Crohn's disease, 
right? Yeah, so she'd, she'd be exactly. Risk, yeah. So I mean, again, I mean, yes, you can say that the women's division isn't fixed yet, and you're right. But right now, they kind of have no choice. But the good news is, Karshita got a video package. She got a nice win, and they teased a little something with Britt, who may be back for however long they tape for this week and whatever they get, because we don't know. Again, we're playing it by ear, man. We don't know how many fucking weeks of dynamite we're getting coming out of this. Who knows? Who knows about that? All I know is that it was nice to see the good doctor back on TV this week. And, uh, you know, I know Tony Schiavone is very happy to see her back out there. a good friend, but Cody did remind him that, Tony, you're a married man. That's right. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) we had some other issues with Tony later on as as far as being a married man goes. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So uh, Cody and Tony then talked about John Moxley's issues with the inner circle and most recently Jake Hagar. This was followed by a very well done video package. Um, with some back and forth from Moxley and Hagar, talking about their issues with each other, comments from Jericho and others, setting up the expected world title match, which we were uh, told would happen in two weeks. Two weeks, empty arena match with uh, Moxley and Mr. Hagar for the AW World Championship. And we saw a lot of Bellator footage on this particular uh, video package, which I appreciate. Good to see those folks doing business, you know. It's all good. It's all good. If you can get that video together, you show Jake Hagar looking like a monster, which he looks like a monster anyway. Let's be honest. The guy looks like a beast. He does. As bad as WWE booked that guy. Yeah. (laughs) As bad as they booked that guy, he still looks like the kind of guy who could fuck you up right easily. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I I wouldn't want to tussle with Jake Hagar. I mean, literally, I'd be the one-legged man in the ass-kicking contest. That's no good for me. And John Moxley is a man who lives dangerously. He doesn't care who wrestles. He just wants to kick ass and take names. So I mean, I'm all about booking a, you know, booking a feud with these guys going against each other. That that's a solid world tell feud. To it me. is, and the thing is too, it plays out of Moxley's feud with the Inner Circle well. And people were like, "Well, Hagar really hasn't won much. He's won like a couple squash matches." That's not the basis of the feud. First of all, at least he's undefeated. Secondly, he beat the shit out of Moxley. He powerbombed him off the yeah. stage, and then he laid him out last night on Dark with the head and arm choke. So yeah. they're building it as more of a grudge thing. And like you said, Moxley just kind of doesn't care. He wants to fuck somebody up, and there you go. And Hagar is one of those guys who is believable against anybody. I, I know that Jack Swagger is not booked that great, but you know. She looks like a badass guy. And I like the other inner circle guys backing up, too. Uh, Chris Jericho is on that uh, video package being a lot like, well, you know, and, you know, a lot of factions would have guys being jealous of other guys going after this idol. But Jericho is cool with it. It's like, well, that's another championship reign for the inner circle. It's all Sammy, good. Sammy right. Guevara said when Jake Hagar wins and becomes the world champion, all of the inner circle are world champion again. That's right. Unified force because right. they don't drink on the job and hit their finishers on their friends. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> good lads, the inner circle. So Good stuff. Good stuff. Sammy Guevara, a god among yeah, men. Spanish god. Spanish god, right. if you will. We'll get to him later, so, uh, too. Colt oh. Cabana then joined Tony Schiavone on uh, commentary, giving Cody a break. For the second hour, you know, you got to have different commentary teams for each hour of the show. Yeah. But it does work because Cody did have his uh, match coming up. Cody had a match later, so he's got to get ready for yeah, it. Got to warm up, man. And Colt, Colt a very good commentator, yeah. too. We got a Jake Roberts. Colt and Cody are both very good in commentary. Yes, very much so. 
We got yeah. a Jake Roberts promo commenting on Lance Archer's debut, saying that he's going to destroy yeah. his opponent. Cody keeps keeps yeah. playing games, and uh, that doesn't make them happy. They don't play games or gamble because they uh, don't believe in chance. They have an ace up their sleeve, and they hope Co- Cody is smart enough to be afraid. And then Jake even dropped in that uh, Brandy probably wears the pants in that family. Well... I mean, I, I haven't seen Brandy wear pants very often. That's all I can say about that. I'm sure they'd look great. <laughs> I'm sure they she would. She's a lovely young woman. Absolutely. Yes, she is. So we got the Lance Archer debut, and it was against young Marco Stunt. And Now, hold on. I have a quick question about Marco yes. Stunt. Uh, what, did he have the coronavirus at some point? No. This is a rumor. No. I I, I think he was that just not rumor. feeling well, so he stayed away. Plus, he was not plus his well. uh, grandmother was sick and unfortunately passed away yesterday. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So. Okay. But, but he's not contagious. No, or, okay. No. We we're kind of wondering about that, no. you know. But, uh, yes, uh, I mean, uh, major prayers to the stunt That's family. Right. Lo- lovely people. So, um. Yes. This is Lance Archer's debut, and Marco got... He killed, yes, he a, killed man. a man. But uh, Marco got a couple, <laughs> couple quick hope spots, but was largely killed. He he yeah. ate the pounce, he ate a choke slam, he ate the blackout, yeah. and he was done yeah. at a shade over three minutes. And I want to say that Marco was a great first opponent for Lance Archer because it showed off the great size disparity. It allowed Lance Archer yeah. to look like a real monster. And it's exactly what you want out of a debut like that. You have the sinister Jake Roberts talking up this man as a killer. You run a video package where he kills like 20 men in a wrestling ring in an abandoned house somewhere. You don't yeah. want him working a fucking 50-50 six-minute match. No, he don't want to work 50-50 with uh, Chuck Taylor whoever. No, yeah. no, he's no, no disrespect to Chuck Taylor, obviously. We love Chucky e. T here, but... That's because we think Chuck Taylor would be a 50-50 match. Exactly. Marco got a couple brief hope (laughs) spots because he's Marco Stunt, the underdog. But he was largely mauled by a fucking bear here. Yeah, he was. Which was the right result. Exactly. And it was, like, match rating, it's not like a great match. It's fine for what it is. But in terms of booking a squash match, I thought it was great. And then post-match, Lance Archer was not done. Took young Marco Stunt to the no. apron, picked him up, and fucking just choke slammed <laughs> him over the floor, over the barricade, onto the gun club, and killed this young man. Yeah, why not? You gotta do what you gotta do. You know, but you do know. you know why Lance Archer did that, Steve? Everybody why? dies. Everybody dies. That's, that's right. right. Including the goddamn gun club. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Gotta take care of business, and Lance Archer did exactly that. The murder hawk. Monster, you know, whatever you, whatever you call him, God done there. So good a, for him. Good a high stuff. quality good business. piece of business right there. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Poor Cole, you know, I mean, Cole Cabana tried to sell himself as having some kind of chance next week. I don't know. I mean, Cole, I love you, but man, I'm a big Cole Cabana guy, but man, I don't know. I don't know about your chances yeah, against Cole, this guy. Cole may die. Cold might die. I hope he doesn't because he's a very good, very good talker, a pleasant guy, swell individual. But uh, I don't know. Well, the good news is, is after his match with Lance Archer, he will have commentary to fall back on. 
Well, as long as he can still talk. <laughs> as long as he still talk, he might be crippled. Well, listen, dude, I'm know. in a wheelchair and I can talk, so I'll be okay. He'll be fine. There you have <laughs> it. So Cole can be on you know, commentary with JR and Excalibur and Tony and everybody else. So there, there you have it. So we went to a video package with the exalted one, Brody Lee, with his yes, Dark Order minions. And he was yeah. talking about how he was once lost and beaten down, but he rose up and he is now the exalted one. Wanted them to stand tall with him. And he he had this one young masked man start uh, talking and he constantly had to correct him and tell him that he is Mr. Brody Lee. And he scared, he scared yeah. the shit out of these poor goose, explained that they, there should be no yawning or being tired because that's weakness. You don't ever yawn in it my is. presence. And he dismissed the minions and, uh, yeah. You know, a little more Vince McMahon cosplay by the Exalted One. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that will enjoy that. I will get a lot of laughs out of that, but I don't know. I'd like to see a little, a little bit more of Burry Lee than that. Well, here's that. the thing. I, I'm not an overly huge fan of it, but I also think that they're also in a really weird position right now to where... They probably can't do maybe everything they wanted to do with the Dark Order because of everything going on. So yeah. they're just kind of keeping him on TV and filling time. And I mean, I mean, which is fine. Yeah, I, I don't think it's bad in any way. I don't think it's great either. I but, but I also think again that shouldn't be a long term. No, no, idea. no, exactly. And you, you do need to have him on TV in some form. So um, that led to a tag team match, which was. Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall with Brandy Rhodes. The Natural Nightmares with Brandy right. Rhodes. Yes. Facing off yes, with sir. Dark Order number eight and number nine. Number eight and number nine. I did. I did crack up at commentary talking about how. Well, obviously, Evil Uno is number one, and Colt was like, "Well, I think Stu Grayson is obviously Dose." Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think your friend Cubs fan like that too much. <laughs> He's loves loves sad about it, but yeah, I thought it was funny. I did. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was what it was. I laughed. It was, it was a cute little end, if you know the Super Smash Brothers. Fine, a uh, fine little tag team match. Give Dustin and QT a nice little win over some Dark Order minions. That's right. Nothing wrong. Yeah, with that. it was short. It was solid, and I think, and I know a lot of people. I seen a lot of people shitting on this too, but I think Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall are going to be a good veteran tag team to have around. And sure. um, first of all, to put over some heel teams, they're working their way up. Yeah, but they, sure. they can do that. But the other thing is, too, is they'll be able to work like dark matches and stuff. Like I would have them working private party oh, yeah. and stuff on dark and stuff like that to help those guys grow. Yeah. But I, I think they're a good, fundamental, fundamentally solid team. Dustin, you could have those guys work against like guys that are having tryout matches. Exactly. Sure. But we all know yeah. Dustin is still great, extremely smart. QT, from everything I've heard, has a really good rep as a trainer. So, I mean, I he think does. that that's a good team to put together. And again... And I don't hate QT as a worker as much as a lot of people no, do. No, he's a fun little dude. And, like, the yeah. thing is, too, is they, they pick up wins on dark and against goofs like this. You can build them up yeah. for a little bit, and then when you need the Lucha Bros or somebody on a heel run or, you know, the former LAX, when somebody needs to get a win before a title match, maybe these yeah. are the guys they can beat or one of the teams yep. they can beat. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, 
I, yeah. I think that that's a good little veteran team. I see nothing wrong with it. I think when you're complaining about that, you're just kind of looking for a reason to complain. You're looking for things to complain about. And I will say, Tony Schiavone's pop for when Brandy Rhodes raised her arms after the match. Oh. Did you notice that? When when, when they're raising their arms after the match, and when, so once they raised their arms, Brandy, when Brandy raised her arms, Cody's, uh, Tony was like, oh. Yeah, he's, he's lucky Cody meant. wasn't there anymore. Yeah, Cody wasn't there anymore. So, like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, post-match, though, the Exalted One arrived. Brandy's an uh, attractive woman, well, so she I'm excited about that. But yes. uh, the Exalted One arrived post-match, had a little stare-down with Dustin, and then he... Yeah, Brandy was trying to get him out of that. And, <laughs> and then uh, Mr. Like... Brody Lee, the Exalted One, powerbombed one of those geeks and left. It was eight or nine. We don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. He's dead now. Yeah, he's dead either way. So this led to a video package with Le Champion Chris Jericho in his hot tub. Oh. Drinking in the hot a little tub. bit of the bubbly, yes. Steve. Yes, sir. And he was talking about how it's a holiday because it's April Fool's Day and he's never met bigger fools than the elite. He told That's Nick right. Jackson to stay home. Vanguard One, though, arrived as he was monologuing on the elite. You forgot to mention where he called Kenny Omega a pumpkin, a pumpkin-headed. Uh, what is it? A pumpkin-headed. Uh, I don't remember, it? and I didn't write it down, so I didn't remember. So. Ah. Well, yes, yeah, he, he ran down all the members of the elite. He had a good time making fun of everybody. But Vanguard One arrived at the Jericho Estate. This led to Jericho yes. once again promoing on Vanguard One, which is way better than it should be. Like, Jericho fucking interacting with a drone is actually really entertaining. He teased apologizing to the drone for last week. He got out of the hot tub and we realized Chris Jericho was wearing pants in the hot tub. Yes, he was. He's wearing pants in the hot tub the whole time. Which was certainly a choice. It was a choice. He offered Vanguard (laughs) 1 a chance to come into the inner circle again. He even had a tiny inner circle shirt for him. (laughs) Which I died at. Vanguard one took it and disappeared. Jericho then released the hounds and a fucking gaggle. He released the hounds. And a gaggle of tiny fucking dogs chased after Vanguard one who flew away. They looks like like some badass dogs uh, from where I sat. Be honest with you. They're, they would chase anybody off. And by the way, the, the, uh, the phrase I was looking for was the pumpkin headed dipshit. There you go. That's what I was looking for. The pumpkin head dipshit, Kenny Omega. So, that might be his nickname going forward. I don't know. They confirmed that next week we're getting uh, the Cody and Sean Spears match, and then in two yes. weeks we're getting Lance Archer and Colt Cabana, as well as Moxley versus Hagar for the title. <sighs> Poor Colt Cabana. I feel bad for the guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's uh. Let's enjoy the commentary as long as we can get, because poor Colt's gonna die in two weeks. As all I'm saying. That's right. Because everybody dies. We then got a video. Even if you're not pumpkin, it's that's right. We then got a video yeah. package with the Young Bucks. A small update on Nick Jackson's uh, recovery with him and Matt hanging out and working out in a ring together, trying to knock yeah. off the ring rust. And they talked about the whole injury angle and how Nick says uh, he's feeling good, but he doesn't remember the attack or that night at all. 
Well, uh, yeah, it's amazing how that works, yeah. you know. You you don't remember who attacked you. Yes. But I actually we assume it's the inner circle, but it might be somebody exactly. Else. And like, that's know. the thing I like because obviously the inner yeah. circle was there and they found him. Yeah. So of course you think it's going to be them, and they crush his skull. You assume it's them. But I yeah. like that they're not locked but... in this this just one hundred percent saying it's the inner circle. But May is May is the uh, that. That uh, drunken bastard Hangman and Page. Exactly, it it leaves it open for someone else like Page. So I mean, I like that it's a very simple and easy storytelling tool. It's not just giving it away right away. Because if you sit there and tell us for four weeks it's the Inner Circle, and then say they finally do Blood and Guts, and Page turns on him and reveals it was him all along, that comes off really weird. If you're leaving it open like we are now, then it's you got something to play with. Yeah, we do, and I I have a feeling as much as I as I love Hangman Page, I don't know. So I'm not sure. But the end of the video is basically Maybe Nick somebody. admitting that he's not quite ready to come back yet. He's a, he's at uh, probably about sixty eight, sixty nine percent. I would say that's right. So yeah, hopefully for his nice. sake, he's staying at home. He's about sixty nine percent. That'd be good for him. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Uh, so then our, we had our main event of the evening, Steve. Sammy Guevara, the yes, Spanish God, versus Sean and Sean Spears yes. facing off with Cody and Darby Allen, Steve. And at the end of the day, Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears won the match 21-35 via pin. What did you think of our yeah. main event? I thought it was a pretty darn good tag team match. A lot of stuff going on. I mean, you had, you had Sammy doing his uh, vlog stuff. The video blog thing. He went out there and he shot some footage with him with him and Brandy Rhodes. And I thought, oh, um, did they look too good? They looked pretty good together, didn't they? Sammy thought so. I thought they did. I thought so too. But uh, apparently, Brandy didn't say think so. So, so that's thing that happened there. But uh, I thought it was pretty damn good booking because out of all the guys in that match, the guy that needed to win the most. With Sean Spears, because when is the last time Sean Spears was on Dynamite? For God's sakes. It's been a couple months, honestly. Been a couple months. You know, he's not on TNT very often. So I was just thinking, you got to be on TNT pretty often if you're going to be the, the TNT champion. So Spears needed the win there. It's good to have some uh, drama between Darby and Cody because we assume that there'll probably be a semifinal match. And those guys always, they have some good chemistry. Now be an issue between them. So I think it's, that is a right way to do that match. That's some good stuff. And it's a good way to fill a half hour, I thought. Exactly. I thought it was really good. I thought the best part was not only did they play off of the history between all the guys, they did that really well, but Again, like you mentioned, it was quality set up for that tournament because you had half of the bracket in this match altogether. So I thought it was a very focused build. It was a smart build. And yeah, post-match, Darby laid out Cody, and uh, we got some drama going on there. Yeah, and and I saw some people wondering, well, is that going to be a Darby heel turn? No, it won't. Darby's a lone wolf. He always has been and he always will be. He's always had a bit of an issue with Cody Rhodes, so uh, it all made sense to me. Yeah, not everything has to be a black and white heel turn either. So, no, no. So that is dynamite for this week, Steve. Which means we need to move on for to NXT. 
Also, April 1st. NXT. And uh, the biggest April Fool's yeah. joke played on the wrestling world on April 1st was not was not <laughs> Tainara Conti faking that she was pregnant on Twitter. It was the fact that... I missed that part, unfortunately. It was the fact that Uncle Paul put Sam fucking Roberts on commentary all night. See, now, that was the... Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, that, that's some bullshit right there. And I was just glad, to be honest with you, as much as I love Mauro Ronaldo, and I'm glad he's down in his bunker in California and probably has all the potting and... All the potting and smoke, I'm sure he has it all there with him. I'm glad he's safe. I'm glad he's okay. Morrow and Sam Roberts would be the worst announced team of all time. Am I right? Well, Sam Roberts by himself was the worst announced team, and Tom Phillips tried, but he was just Sam Roberts was shit. Tom, Tom Phillips tried. He tried. God bless him. He tried to work with that, but it was a bad situation. Sam Roberts was doing his worst attempt at playing bad guy announcer all night long. Yeah, I told I and I knew going in once I heard that it's like oh my god it's this can not can be good. By the way, <laughs> by the way, and you you heard this line earlier in the show, not when Steve was on, but I'm accepting apologies because everybody yeah. told me oh it's just an April Fool's joke. He's not really going to do commentary. Well, he did. Yeah, he did. It was fucking trash. He did. He did. It was bad. It so, was bad. Accepting yeah. apologies again. My Twitter account's open. There you so, go. So anyway. Give him a give him a donut and coffee or whatever. What's your uh, little yeah, thing yeah, there? Yeah, there you go. Do, little gimmick that'd there. Be great. I, I I accept all apologies in monetary form. There you go. So we started off with the Velveteen Dream versus Bobby Fish. Part yeah. of the build to Velveteen Dream getting a title shot against Adam Cole. Velveteen Dream defeated Bobby Fish at just under sixteen minutes via pin, Steve and. If you don't mind, let me go first. I want to say that this was a solid wrestling match. It was the right winner because Velveteen Dream is allegedly going to challenge for the championship. But I do need sure. to say this. Having Velveteen Dream work a nearly 16-minute empty arena match setting absolutely <laughs> exposes every one of his shortcomings. It does. Velveteen Dream is a dude with a good look. He has a ton of charisma. And when he's in a crowded arena that is into his matches and working with a great worker, a lot of that gets covered up. And he has had great matches. Please don't get me wrong. But if you sit there and you turn off the volume, even in those great matches, and you start dissecting the Velveteen Dream, there are a lot of holes in his game still. Which is one of those reasons why he hasn't been pushed to the title so soon. Which is why he hadn't been brought up to the main roster yet, despite being really over and charismatic and everything. And don't get me wrong, he's still very young. There's still a ton of potential. He's probably going to get better. But the thing is, please don't come at me with this Velveteen Dream as one of the top five workers on the NXT brand. He wasn't one of the top five workers in this match, and there was only two people. Yeah. He's a, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. He's just not that he's not as far as long as people want to tell me he is. He, I'm sorry. He's also, and it's I don't true. know if you agree with this one, Steve, but to me, he has not been very good since he came back from injury. No, not at all. I'm, I'm with you on that as well. I've been telling you this for, uh, I've been telling you this, this for weeks and not just from a, uh, work standpoint from from my personality standpoint but from a storyline standpoint i've been whining and bitching and moaning it's like 
why is this guy supposed to be a baby face when he's wearing a Roderick Strong's wife's face on his tights? I never understood that. I don't understand. Why, why is that supposed to be a good guy? I don't know. I never, nobody ever explains me properly. It's like, oh, well, he's just a Velveteen Dreamer. He's just a I Velveteen Dream. <laughs> he's just a Velveteen Dream. You know, he's a good guy by God. He's not a ravishing Rick Rude trying to get over on somebody. Like, I I didn't buy it. I'm sorry. Didn't, didn't buy it. And as far as, and this match was, is fine. Was, was, was. And I, I told you earlier, I was reading Kevin Panjana's uh, NXT recap. And one of the weird things was, like, well, Velveteen got the win way too early. It was 16 fucking minutes! <laughs> How is that too early? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that's that's long enough! I'm sorry, I mean, is Kevin now, like, Jim Cornette, like, being being like, well, you can't tell a good story in 16 minutes. Yeah, you can! Uh, in Kevin's defense, I, I, let me defend Kevin real quick. He wasn't feeling well tonight, so maybe he just... Maybe it felt quicker than it was to him. I don't know. <laughs> 60 minutes is a fucking good time for a match. I'm it sorry. It was way too long for this one. It was. So. <laughs> I don't even want 35. Oh, no, Christ, no. So Velveteen Dream cut a quick promo on Adam Cole to hype their upcoming match afterwards. Oh, yeah. Great. And then we had a Malcolm Bivens promo with his big giant lads and Bivens Enterprises is, uh, they are ready to take over, Steve. And I don't know about you. I'm just, yes. I don't know if these guys are going to be any fucking good or not, but I'm just excited to see Big Stoke on my fucking I know you're excited about Malcolm Bivens. He's been kissing your ass for as long as I can remember. <laughs> I know Stokey Hathaway has been kissing your ass and kissing everybody's ass other than mine, as far as I can tell. He's a, he's, he's been that last old school manager for a long time. He's, and he's been kissing some people's ass that, that's not mine. I'm a little jealous about it, but it is what it is. But uh, I hope it, I hope it, I hope it works out for him. I wish him the best. Listen, you know. I can't help it if Big Stoke loves me. Okay. Yeah, exactly. He he know he ignored me all the time. I don't know what the <laughs> deal is. He just uh, blew me off. I don't understand it. I don't know, but uh, I wish him the best with his two big steroid injected fucks. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, again, did I just say that? That's all right. Yeah. Allegedly, Steve. Let's allegedly. be honest. They're all allegedly. No, I have no clue if those guys are going to be any good. But like I said, I'm very excited to see Big Stoke getting a chance on TV after being at NXT for like I a year. I don't mind. I don't mind seeing heel managers. That's fine, yeah. especially compared to Robbie trying to do his chick, which didn't work. Yeah, that's the Robert Stone branch, Steve. <laughs> And uh, trying to be half assed Tony Khan impersonation. <laughs> Where the fuck he was doing. Or whatever. <laughs> so then we got a next match. It was Dexter Loomis facing off with Jake Atlas. Okay, you're going to have to tell me about both these guys. Dexter Loomis used to be Sam Shaw in TNA slash Impact. Um, he, oh, God. Yeah, he, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. He's, I don't think he's very good. For some reason, people have gotten on this Dexter Loomis bandwagon. They think he's this underappreciated star. And he's, for to me, he's the definition of a dude. He's just that. I will tell you my impression of him while watching this match was creepy. Which makes sense with Sam Shaw, too. Fucking 
Creepy. Creepy guy. Creepy is why I got out of that. Uh, Jake Jake yeah. Atlas was an indie guy that um, was getting a lot of looks from a lot of places. Uh, his dream apparently has always been to sign with WWE. So when he got the NXT offer, he signed. Um, oh, and he's go. a dude with a ton of potential. So, of course, okay. he lost here to Dexter Loomis in like three minutes. Yeah, of course. Clean did. via submission. So Dexter Loomis is a former uh, TNA gut check winner. That was fucking creepy. Creepy as yeah, shit. He stalked uh, Chrissy Hemi. He feuded with Gunner. Yes. I saw part of that. It is uh, atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that's that's what we're pushing here. Okay, great. That 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 the lo- that lowers my opinion even more of the show. It was to be the, the match was short and fine for the time given, but I would not have had fine. I would not yeah. have had Atlas lose his TV debut, especially if, especially yeah. to a guy like Dexter Lemus who I don't really see any legit upside in going forward as far as the TV stuff. Apparently somebody does. Apparently you, you're telling me some of the people, you're telling me some people out there see a lot of uh, potential. I don't know guy. where they see it at, but okay. <laughs> That's what you told I me. I know, but I'm saying I, I keep seeing this weird narrative that he's like good. And I'm like, no. So. I didn't see it here, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll uh, let play out and see where it goes. Yeah. We got a Killer Cross video package. He's coming soon. He's coming soon with Scarlett. Hopefully Bordeaux. with Scarlett, yeah, yes. Let's yes. hope so. Need her on TV. With definitely. And then we went back and revisited the Gargano Ciampa Brawl at the Performance Center. And that led to yes. our second chance gauntlet to with the winner getting into the number one contender's ladder match next week, Steve. Aaliyah, Dakota Kai, yes. Deonna Peraza, Caden Carter, Shotzi Blackheart, Zia Lee. A good m- amount of talent in this match. At the end of the day, the big dog Dakota Kai won after 24 minutes of yeah. gauntlet match action. And yeah. I thought this was pretty good overall. One of the better things on the show. I thought they had some nice energy yeah. to it. I thought all the women worked really hard. Uh, I think Dakota Kai winning works um, because yeah, her angle with uh, Tegan Knox, obviously. They're going to try to kill each other in that ladder match. And I also really like that Shotzi got the deep run into this match because we've talked about her before, too. They see a lot in her because you can tell she's been positioned really well so far. It was mostly the Shotzi Blackheart show, it was. let's be honest. Because she was in the ring for most of this match. Oh, all of the matches. She, she was in first. Yeah, exactly. So she she got to go through everybody, and she looked good, and she's kicking ass. And we all know I'm big Shotzi Blackheart guy. Let's be honest. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you, I, I don't know if Shotzi would claim to be a Steve Cook guy or not, but she is. I'm not gonna lie. I, I I'm a big fan. I think she just does a lot of good stuff. And uh, she went through this match. She's kicking ass and taking names. And I understand why Dakota Kai went over at the end of the day because, you know, she is she she's the girl, she's pretty good, <laughs> you know, she's got Rankin's also or whatever the fuck. But to be honest, Shotzi should have won this match. She should have won this match. She should have won second chance ladder match. She should have won the championship. She should win everything. Come on, we were... she should win championship. You know, she should win. The men's championship. She win everything. Come on now. We were talking before we went on the air. We were kind of just doing a quick talk about the show tonight. And yeah. one thing we talked about was, in a perfect world, TakeOver's still happening. 
And on TakeOver, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox are having a third match together. Yeah, they should have some While somebody else and Shotzi made it into this match because Shotzi's the kind of person you want in a crazy ladder match. And again, mm-hmm. I understand why Dakota Kai won because it fits the booking. I'm just saying, in a perfect world, somebody else in Shotzi gets the chance yeah. while Dakota and Tegan have a chance to kind of deliver a great match again. Yeah. So. But again, Dakota makes sense. and um, Shotzi Blackheart is awesome, though. Can we just say that? Yes, she, Shotzi's really she's good. And I, she's somebody that yeah. I keep saying that they, they think highly of her. You can tell by how she's been booked in position so far. Yeah. She has a ton of potential, and once she... It's going to sound weird because like some of her rough edges is what, is what makes her really stand out. But in yeah. terms of just like... I'm just talking about like transitional work. Once she cleans sure. up a little bit of that stuff, she's going to be really, really good, and they're probably going to push her really well. So She's going to be... She's the futurist business. Come on now, Larry. Yeah, she's the future say that, but... of this business. I'll say it. The future's business and that goddamn great green hair. Come All on right, now. sure. I I like it. I'm, I'm sorry. glad you love her, Steve. Don't get me wrong. I apologize. Okay, well, th- here's the thing. To you and her boyfriend. <laughs> all I'm gonna, <laughs> whoever that all I'm going to say is you should be glad she's not going to be in that ladder match next week. Because Io Shirai is going to kill everybody in that match. That's a fair point. So I, I know you don't want to see Shotzi die, so. There you go. I want her to die. So. <laughs> Take okay. solace in knowing she'll survive to another week. <laughs> she'll survive another week until Shannon Baszler fights her. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next up, Kushida defeated Joaquin Wilde, the former DJZ, for those of you that don't know. Yeah. 850 okay. via yeah. pin, or via submission, sorry. Um, they had a nice solid match. Um, unfortunately, two guys they found from five years ago, apparently, <laughs> but, um, a nice solid match that never hit that next level that both guys are really capable of. And I continue to say it and I continue to feel that I absolutely hate the fact that Kushida has been just another fucking guy in NXT. Yeah. Well, I mean, why didn't you have Alex Shelley and Kushida be a tag team going forward well because alex shelley has a regular job and didn't want to sign full-time he's up to coming back and doing coaching stints and maybe working an occasional match but okay well there you have it <laughs> yeah. but the thing is i mean you signed kushida who was a top star in new japan and one of the best wrestlers in the world and he's fucking doing like sub 10 minute matches all the time with like a little keen wild and stuff he's you know working I, a bunch of geeks out it's kind of sad too because as much as we complain about how much Nakamura has been wasted in NXT slash WWE slash whatever. You know, he still got to do his shit in NXT. Kushida didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, here's <laughs> the thing with Nakamura, though, and I'm going to say this again. My brother signed a retirement deal when he signed that contract. His retirement plan. He came to the United States. He had always wanted to live here. He's surfing. He moved his family here. He's having a good fucking time. He's making a fuck ton of money. And he's just gonna he's gonna retire. So God bless him. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I, I hate the narrative that quote unquote WWE ruined Nakamura. Please, Nakamura No, he wanted to ruin he wanted to do that. Nakamura came <laughs> that in That was his goal. He came in and he fooled everybody with that Sami Zayn match. Cause everybody yeah, he, thought right. Holy fuck, we're getting Nakamura in WWE and it's gonna be fucking yeah. great. And then, I mean, yes, the booking hasn't been good, but don't get me wrong. Please don't tell me Nakamura has been giving 100% like he was back in the day. And the other thing was, is at the end of his New Japan run, he was already playing the hits and playing downward. 
because Naito yeah. and Omega were surpassing him and Okada and Tanahashi were on top. He saw the writing yeah. on the wall. He wasn't going to work that physical style the rest of his life. So he took the money and ran. And I don't blame him at all. I'm not criticizing him for that. But don't just throw it out there that it's all WWE's fault. It's not. That's what you want to do. And God bless him for it. I don't, I don't blame him at all. I don't blame Sami Zayn for being that kind of champion at this point. Yeah, it's, it's all good. It's all good stuff. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, man. I When I, they showed one of the replay matches, and it was the one uh, ladder match with Sami Zayn in it on the one show, <laughs> and I was like, look at Sami Zayn. Or it was like the WrestleMania 32 replay. I was, doing. I was like, I posted on Twitter. I'm like, look at Sami Zayn looking so fucking full of life. Yeah. And Sammy has realized as well. It's like, well, you know, let's just collect the check. Come well, on now. I mean, you know, that and the fact <laughs> that, like, let, let's be real. I mean, Sammy hasn't had yeah. an easy time with the injuries with the shoulders. No. Absolutely So not. you know what? If he's getting paid his full check to be a, a glorified manager most of the time, God bless him. Damn right. Damn Don't get right. me wrong. I miss seeing awesome Sammy Zayn matches. But again... I'm not going to criticize the guy for taking it easy, making a paycheck, especially because he did come back after double shoulder surgery after he had that bad shoulder injury anyway. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll work. I will still say it's Chelsea Blackheart. It's somebody I would rather watch than Sami Zayn right now. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. So next week we have set for next week, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and their alleged blow off match. And we're also <laughs> getting the women's number one contender ladder match. Yeah. There we go. The match we just set up with uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox and, uh, and Chelsea Green's involved in there. Were a lot of people involved in that match. Yeah. A lot of potential. And you can name them. I think between me. these two matches, next week's show on paper looks to have a lot of potential. It just depends on what else is on it. Yeah, it might be another match with uh, your boy Sam Shaw. <laughs> so, and then we saw Steve the Lucha Ninjas came back and kidnapped Joaquin Wild. Great, that's right. Uh, great, that's all I got to say about that. We're gonna that. have an awesome mass Lucha stable at some point. I'm telling you. Whatever. Undisputed yeah, okay. era is fucked once El Phantasmo gets here. Oh boy. That'd be a bad. That'd be a bad time. If only it was. Uh, what the fuck was his name in Lucha Underground? King Cuerno. King Cuerno. Oh, I love King King Cuerno. Maybe he, he comes back as King Cuerno wearing the fucking cool headdress. That would be big good. ass deer antlers. That'd be good. I don't give a shit about it. What was he? What were they calling him on the house shows? Oh fuck! I don't know. It was something stupid. Yeah. It's something bad. It was bad. It didn't sound good. Yeah. It didn't sound like a lot of potential going forward. But uh, we got a big May event here. That's right. For the uh, NXT North American Championship with Keith Lee defending against good old uh, Dominic Dijakovic and uh, good old Damian Priest. That's right. So at the end of the day, Keith Lee defeated both of them, retaining his championship. Just under 20 minutes, Steve. The end saw Keith yeah. Lee hit the big pounce to send Damian Priest to the floor after he had eaten the Feast Your Eyes. And then the ground zero slash Big Bang Catastrophe finished Dijakovic. Keith Lee retains as he should have. And I'm telling you right now, dude, because like yeah. I recently reviewed a, a match that uh, wasn't an eye pay-per-view match because of the NXT guy involved. But Adam Cole and Walter from <laughs> Evolve 
a fucking great match, right? And yeah, sure. All I could think of after watching Adam Cole and Walter was, I want to see Adam Cole and Keith Lee for this championship. Yeah. I am way more interested in that possibility than I am Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. Yeah, because we've seen and we've seen Keith Lee against both these guys multiple times. Exactly, it's happened. Uh, you know, as much as we love Keith Lee, as much as we love Dijakovic against Keith Lee, and you, you might like the Priest or whatever, you know. We've seen this stuff over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, I like all three guys. I like the combinations of them. But, yeah, I, I want something new. And uh, I'm with you where we need to see where I'm cold. We would be defending against Keith Lee on an ideal takeover for before WrestleMania on an ideal WrestleMania weekend. would have been the best way to go. Other than, you know, I mean, I would prefer that over having Velveteen Dream be the Rick Rude wannabe, you know, all that bullshit they had going on. Uh, I think that ideally, if we had NXT TakeOver this weekend, it would be Adam Cole versus Keith Lee for the, for the NXT Championship. Well, I would have loved it. Would be ideal I would have loved to have seen that, Steve. That would have been the ideal situation, but... Unfortunately, it won't happen. It might happen at some point, but uh, in any event, we we love Keith Lee though. He's fine. Yeah, Keith Lee is, is no good problem. people. So he but, is. Yeah, it, so he he did best he could. It was a situation where they had to have a triple threat match with no people there, and they they tried. They they did some good stuff. It, it was what it was. Yeah, it was it was a yeah. good match, but obviously it just it's fine. it didn't hit that next level for a few reasons. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, it's they they did what they could, and again, you're you're making the best of what you can. But that's gonna kind of bring us to the the closing portion, Steve. The old head to head comparison for the week. Would you like to go first, or do you want me to go? I'll go ahead and go for. I'll, I'll go ahead because. I mean, AEW just continues to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. I mean, you know, they, they, even though there's certain limitations on this particular time and era, as far as things go, they, they continue to make the best of it. They continue to have good stuff. They, they had the best match on this evening. They had some good promo segments. They just had some good stuff going forward for the TNT Championship. And XT, although they had maybe a takeover match, it still just didn't. I mean, all the WWE slash NXT stuff after the whole situation has just seemed soulless to me. Like there's just no, there's just uh, no feeling behind it to me. I hear you, Steve. So you're giving AEW the nod, yes? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Dynamite, I thought was a really good show. We had that great opener. We're building that title tournament well. We're continuing Hikaru Shida's push. Lance Archer's debut was fucking great. And again, under horrible circumstances, venue changes, working through a skeleton crew at times, AEW is finding a way to still deliver quality television. And I think that that's really being undersold by a lot of people when you consider the lack of experience this crew has producing TV the limitations put on them with their talent roster because they have so many people that can't get there. 
And you juxtapose that against WWE, who has 50 years of producing product, who has like 90% of their roster in Florida, and they can rotate in a ton of fucking people if need be. And NXT, it wasn't a bad show in any way. It just felt flat is the best way to put it. I didn't hate it, but when it was over, despite a good main event and some good build for next week, and I did like the women's gauntlet, there was nothing that I would say made me care. And there was a point to where NXT was putting on TV, and every show when I was done, there were two or three things coming out of that show I cared about, I was interested in, I was really invested in. And coming out of this show, it's like, I don't care about Velveteen Dream right now. I don't care about Dexter Loomis. I'm kind of all in on that women's match because I think they have a ton of potential to deliver next week. Um, Kushida's just a fucking dude. Joaquin Wilde got fucking kidnapped. And Keith Lee's just spinning his wheels with the same two dudes. Technically three uh-huh. if you want to throw in Cameron Grimes who gets the occasional shot. But other yeah, than that, with this hat. And then here's the thing, Steve, with Keith Lee. Who's fucking next then? I don't know. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to have Dijakovic bitch and get a rematch? Are you going to have Priest bitch and get a rematch? None of that yeah. is interesting to me. He should have taken on Am called this takeover on WrestleMania weekends. What should have happened? That's all I'm saying. So I, I'm going AEW as well, and I can hear it now. Oh, you guys hate NXT now. No, it's just... Listen, man... You can only judge on what they're giving you. And I'm sorry. It's just the NXT product since the beginning of the year has had some good shows, but it's been flat a lot of times. It's Steve put it kind of best. It feels like there's kind of no soul to the show. And that's not the first time I've heard that. There's a lot of other people that feel that way. And I gave a lot of credit to Shotzi Blackheart's performance on that match. You know, the I thought the women's gauntlet match was great. Shotzi was good in that match. I thought that's some good stuff. You got Dion Prazo there doing stuff. Yeah, there were a lot of good, a lot of good girls there doing some good stuff. So I I like that. A lot. They worked. Re- so they not, worked really hard. I'm not just throwing next year or bus. You know, I mean, I thought that match was good. Yeah, they worked really hard. That was definitely like that in the main event were definitely matches I wish there was a crowd for. Yeah. Because yeah, I th- because they worked their ass. Yeah, and I think the I think a crowd would have been did. into that women's match, and I think it would have been into that main event. And I'll tell you what, though, I mean, Kenny and Trent was great, but you put that in front of it, yeah. a traditional AEW crowd. Oh, it would have been five. It would have been five, five and a half maybe. <laughs> and then the tag team match was a classic. You know, is you know we mentioned you know AAA has Kenny Omega's champion. It was kind of the classic AAA May event where you had a lot of guys getting a lot of heat. It worked. Yeah. Dude, but by the way, you joke about the six-star match thing. There was a uh, there was a segment on Being the Elite where um, the box, like it's like Kenny and Paige and them, they, they walk up to uh, Tony and Tony's like, oh, congrats. he's like, congratulations. And uh, Kenny's like, oh, what? You heard about the six-star match? He goes, six stars? What the hell do you think you are, the Revival? <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, no, I mean you put that in front of a fucking lit AEW crowd, man. 
It's it's oh. even better. You put the main event of this oh, show okay. in that okay. women's match of the NXT show in front of a crowd, they're also better. I mean, but again, a yeah. lot of people are making the best out of what they can right now. And honestly, I just I think AEW is doing a better job. And I know that upsets some people because you're biased against AEW. I'm I I just like good fucking wrestling shows. That's what we like to see. I mean, I, I we can't help the WWE can't figure out how to film good wrestling shows in front of no audience. I can't. We can't help that. We can't help that they're sending emails to certain fans like, "Oh, well, would you like our shows better if we had piped in audience?" Or yeah, we can't help that. Yeah, and I also can't. That's I also can't decision. help them that there's like two matches advertised for Mania that aren't fucking happening either, but they're still pushing. We can't them. help them that they're debuting Sam Shaw. <laughs> We can't help them that they're trying to have Braun Strowman against Goldberg. We can't help them that, yeah. We can't help a lot of shit that we can't help there. You have a ladder match with Anuso and John Moore. We don't know. We can't help them. We can't control that. That's right. Not our fault. But you know what we can control, Steve? What can you control? We can make WrestleMania interesting. You know why? Because Sunday that? night after the second part of WrestleMania. I'm going to yeah. be back. Steve Cook yeah. is going to be back. And yeah. Jeremy Lambert Jr. the third is going to be back. And we are going to review both yeah. nights of WrestleMania. We are going to That's be right. together. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, Jeremy, when he had to leave, said he would come back for Mania weekend. And all three <laughs> of us are going to be together. We're going to have a good time. Even if the show is not great, we're going to have a good time and make it sound fucking great because we're... We'll have a good time because me and Jeremy and Larry Zonka, we're all best friends forever. That's right. Yeah, well, so we'll have a good time. Regardless of whether the show is great or not, <laughs> whether the show is good or whether the show is terrible, we'll have a good time talking about Don't it. get us wrong. We're hoping for a fucking good show because you can only say something's bad so many ways. Maybe nice. Maybe nice. So, Steve, do you have any, any columns coming up this week you want to throw out there? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I, the last thing I posted, the 411, I don't know when it will come out. A top seven, it's a top seven winning, winning streaks in wrestling history. Ooh. You know about winning streaks. Yeah, you know people have won a lot of matches in a row. Undefeated in Japan for three years, brother, I know. Yeah, you know about it. You know about somebody who's undefeated in North America for ten years. Your friend Doctor Death, right. you know about that? He was with he was with us back in the day, and we got that guy. We got uh, guy who won a lot of WrestleMania matches in a row. We got a guy who won a lot of WWE matches in a row, who uh, kind of put the program promotion on his back for a while. So a lot of good stuff in that column, right there. And so I enjoy it. Top seven. Winning streaks of all time. I like, you know, remember winning streaks uh, when wins and losses mattered? I think wins and losses still matter in some promotions and not in some other promotions, which, which we talk about. But, uh, you know, I like wins and losses mattering. What do you think? I do, too. I'm a big fan of it. I, I just, it's it's a simple storytelling tool. It's it's not fucking hey, you rocket win science. a lot of matches and it works. Yeah. If you hold the WF championship for almost eight years, I think it matters. Unless you're Brock Lesnar and only work one match a year, then it doesn't matter as That's much. Right. But, <laughs> if you're Bruno Sammartino working the circuit, then it does matter. But it's like a simple <laughs> thing. It's like, listen, we know Lance Archer's going to kill Colt Cabana, but at least they've yeah. done a good job of putting the fact that um, Colt Cabana is undefeated so far. 
And right. he's going to go into that match with Lance Archer undefeated. And if Lance Archer fucking murders him in short order, then Lance that Archer works. looks even yeah. better because he just beats somebody that was undefeated. Plus, he, you know, Cole Cabana is a guy that is well-known and people love. So it works on a few levels. It's a very simple storytelling tool. It's, that's so... That, that's, that's ridiculously simple. So. That's that's almost retarded how simple it is. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, um, like how easy that story tell? Like, come on now, that's so easy. It is, but so easy. Stephen, thank you for your time, my friend. It was good talking to you, and we're going to be back on our regular schedule, and we're also going to be yeah. doing uh, obviously when we get some time, we're going to be recording some retro content. Uh, Got to oh, keep yeah. that going because people have been enjoying that. Uh, I'm going to be talking. I'm not sure when it's going to run, but just so everybody knows, um. It's technically Thursday now as I'm talking. Later tonight, I'm going to be reviewing a Dark Side, uh, reviewing Dark Side of the Ring on the New Jack Show with Jerome Kison. Oh gosh, that show! Oh, don't get me started on that show. With you know, I I listened to some New Jack shoot interviews before, oh, yeah. and I I'd only heard about some of his incidents, and once I saw them on video, I was like, oh my god, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> he fucking cut a guy's head. That's right. So fucking crazy. But uh, we're to be we're to be Ugh. incorporating the dark side of the ring reviews into the various shows as well. Uh, Jerome and I covered the uh, the Benoit one last week, and um, yeah, that one was a uh, that was a rough two hours. A tearjerker. A tearjerker. Yeah. Yeah. So um, get your hankies out. But yeah, yeah, we have a lot of stuff coming up. You know, Kevin will be dropping in to do retro stuff with me as well as Steve and. Steve and I will try to keep our regular Wednesday schedule as long as uh, work and the coronavirus doesn't disrupt it. And uh, yeah. we'll be good to go. So uh, until Sunday night, I want to thank everybody for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show. Give us a thumbs up and uh, subscribe on YouTube. Share us around on social media. And until Sunday night, I hope everybody has a good week.